Well, we may be starting today with a retraction, but we're here to talk gibberish, aren't we, Dom? What did we get wrong? Uh, what I, do we need to change? I have to hold my hands up here and hold myself accountable, really, and uh, okay. just say that last week, last episode, about a month ago, I presented a false opinion on current events that doesn't reflect who I truly am, and I used a hot button issue as a talking point and chose to misrepresent myself to you, our listener. And, uh, I mean, Donald Trump may be a symptomatic cancer representing a deeper problem within the current political discourse. But, I actually do care about musicals. Um, it turns out, when we were talking about this last week, I said I could give two shits about musicals and just kind of said very, just kind of dismissive things. And then, like, three days after we recorded that episode, I sat down and watched Big Mouth Season 4 and actively cheered when they gave my favourite character a musical number. I, uh, I feel a bit of a hypocrite after that one, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, need, we need to walk that one back. Yeah. Um, I'm, we're looking through like what I actually have listened to as far as musicals is concerned, which turns out as one or two little bits and pieces there. But uh, like the, the animated musical stuff, for some reason I, I, I'm drawn to that. Like uh, the Family Guy Road 2 songs or mm. even just like uh, what would Brian Boy Tonnell do in South Park movie? And actually, uh, just the, the South Park movie is a fantastic musical. It it really shouldn't be, but it is. Fuck yeah, that is a that is a musical. Mm. Satan has a music number in, a, a number in that, doesn't he? Satan has a banger of a musical in there. Uh, up there, I think it's called. Yeah, it's him oh, yeah, singing yeah, with a bunch to, of the guys. I think that's going on. He wants to leave. He wants yeah. to leave hell. <laughs> I'm now just remembering all the scenes of uh, Saddam Hussein sexually harassing Satan with like giant dildos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you just you've just brought the memory of that scene in the film back because I'm pretty sure they have a top-down spinning twirl shot for Satan as he's singing the the flourish at the end of the song. He's just spinning around. You just put the sound of music to the beat of Satan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, we really did need to address that issue before we kept going. Um, actually, other housekeeping. We've been, I've been meaning to talk about this for months now, but uh, one of our recent showstoppers was damaged onto the Arecibo or yeah, Arecibo, uh, radio telescope in Puerto Rico, uh, where a wire snapped and destroyed most of the actual radar dish that receives the uh, the signals and any uh, information, and then it bounces it up to the instrument platform. There was an update around the start of the year. The whole thing is now completely fucked. Uh, the instrument platform which is the little kind of main block that's uh, suspended over the dish snapped uh, a cable going to the dish or to the instrument platform snapped and then the thing fell and was annihilated I would say uh, go to who was it I think it was nature.com that I found the article on and uh, yeah they have like drone footage of the area because they realised how bad it was getting and had a drone up there and a bunch of cameras set up to watch it because you know they know it's going to be good footage, and you just see this thing go, and they actually have like really close footage of the wire itself snapping and giving way. The thing is gone in like half a second. You're like that is fifty years of human scientific progress just gone in a like a, a fraction of a second. It's quite stunning. And irreparable, I'm guessing. They can't. There's no way of fixing it. They weren't going to fix it when it was just a dish. They realise that um, it's too it's too beyond the pale of destruction. Like they just have to call it quits. 
I think the largest uh, dish is now in China, and they've actually said, yeah, we'll, we'll open it up a bit. We'll, uh, we'll do some work. So, fingers crossed yeah. we can continue the work that was being done there, but yeah. holy shit. Oh, uh, also, I have my uh, my middle brother is finally watching the last three Star Wars movies, and he's live texting me updates as to how he feels about number nine. So, I may read a few of those. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, nine's where it starts to get a bit ugh, get a bit weird because uh, I don't know if I said this last week. I think I did, or last week, the last time we recorded. I I rewatched uh, Rise of Skywalker and it doesn't hold up. I remember it being watchable in the cinema. I rewatched it and no, mm-mm. it's not a good film. <laughs> really, really not a good film. <laughs> I mean, we have our, uh, our our thoughts collected on one episode, but I think it will change with a rewatch. But I just don't no. want to commit the time to a rewatch. I, I wouldn't. It's not worth it. It's, <laughs> it's genuinely not worth it. Keep, the keep... fact that Palpatine seemingly comes out of nowhere, just kind of, oh, uh, did, did you did you hear on the radio that Palpatine's putting out a signal? Where did Palpatine come from? Shut up, we need a villain. <laughs> Palpatine's back somehow. I, I think that might be the actual line verbatim, is Palpatine's back somehow. How do, uh, j- yeah. just, just he's back, okay? Just fucking you shut, shut your fucking face. <laughs> Go find Palpatine. <laughs> We, we needed Big Spooky Man, and we didn't have Big Spooky Man from the last one. Because that was the thing that got me, was I quite liked Snoke. I think it was quite interesting. There was a little bit of something there, it was a bit of mystery, and then like, ah, he's just like a weird clone thing. Fuck it, we don't care yeah. anymore. There was there was hints that Snoke was one of those Sith Lords that was almost as powerful as uh, Palpatine, but he didn't want to come out of the shadows because, you know, Palpatine was the strongest prophesied Sith or something like that. All this extended universe bollocks, but then they just said, no, he's a clone. He's a clone because he wanted to somehow guide Ben Solo, Kylo Ren to where they need to be. It's all a bunch of shite. <laughs> Did they ever explain who he was a clone of? Palpatine's my, left? No, I have no idea. My assumption was Palpatine's leftovers. And the, the Palpatine we I, have... I said Palpatine's left nut because he has a very <laughs> testicleish face. <laughs> just with a little bit of deflation, though. Yeah, yeah. But like he got kicked a bit too hard, and she's caved in a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, he was um, he was vaguely interesting. I I did like that they killed him off in the way they do it. But at the same time, like I was kind of hoping that wouldn't be the case. Like it it had been a fake out, and instead of faking out for you know the current villain, we fake out for the oldest villain in the book, quite yeah, literally the main villain from the rest of the films. Yeah, apparently it was some kind of metaphor about history repeating itself. I'm not buying it. I think you're just lazy. It's a, it's a, it's a lesson that Star Wars fans don't need to hear. We've already seen what he can do. Yeah, I get that you don't really get to see the Emperor fight, but do you need to? <laughs> we know what he's capable of. Yeah, uh, I think I'm just done whole hog with with the Emperor. I didn't buy him as a villain all that much. If it wasn't for Ma- if it wasn't for Mandalorian, I think people would be done with Star Wars as a whole. Yeah, I think Mandalorian is giving people hope. Well, not giving certain people hope, <laughs> but there's certain other people that have now lost all hope in that in that franchise. Not not giving Gina Carano hope. <laughs> no, but then she's working with Ben Shapiro, so that'll be fine. What? I, she'll be getting on Jedi. I happened to. I think it was just a, like the day before. I think it might have even been the same day. I found out about the Gina Carano thing. I was listening to Sardonicast, which is a movie podcast by uh, Your Movie Sucks. I Hate Everything and Ralph the Movie Maker. And these guys are... Like, film film nerds on a level I don't understand yet. 
Like, I may get there someday, but I'll have to be 50, and they're doing it at their, like, early 20s. And the way they were talking, they talked about something that Ben Shapiro did uh, before all this Gina Carano stuff. It was a movie he'd executive produced, and he just put money behind it. But they were talking mm-hmm. about something called uh, Run, Hide, Fight, which is the FBI's, like, official guidelines on how to deal with an office shooter or a school shooter, that you run away from it. If you can't run, you hide. If you can't hide, you fight. And it's to do with a school shooter going, or a kid standing up to a school shooter in America. And he said it might have been one of the worst films I've ever seen. Unironically, like a one out of ten. And I'm like, curious, how do I get my hands on this piece of garbage without giving money to Ben Shapiro? That's, that's my, my trick there. Yeah, how can I get this for free so I don't give that fucking little worm <laughs> any money? Every time I see him, I get creeped out. I, I don't get creeped out by much. Every time I see Ben Shapiro, I'm just thinking, you make Steve Buscemi look handsome. <laughs> just a unnecessary dig at Steve Buscemi there. I feel <laughs> the man has been through enough. <laughs> I, love, I love Steve Buscemi, but Steve Buscemi's got crazy eyes. <laughs> I, uh, speaking of... No disrespect to Steve Buscemi. I fucking love Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> speaking of uh, old, slightly older comics, um, I was wondering how you felt about doing a deep dive on Blues Brothers. Because I see it, absolutely. I see it on Netflix and I have the urge. And I was wondering... Dude, I will go metaphysical, anatomical, atomic on that film. <laughs> fucking love the Blues Brothers. Like from, uh, you, you've got me started. I'm going to go on, go on about the Blues Brothers now. But <laughs> uh, The Blues Brothers was one of those films that I saw when I was quite young. And it starts off quite funny because they... He's, you know, signing himself out of prison and shit. Then it just get, keeps getting funnier and funnier. There's a bit when he meets a character and he just starts getting hit over the head with a ruler and stuff. And to this day, if I watch it, fucking stitches of laughter and the music in it, it's standing. It's, it was the first film that I saw that had that kind of massive soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, it's fucking, fucking spectacular. It's up there with the Big Lebowski for me. So at some point, coming soon, a special episode for the Blues Brothers. Absolutely. Maybe Big Lebowski too, because I mean I've only seen it twice. Uh, and oh, dude, those are rookie numbers. You need to pump them <laughs> up. I've seen it about twenty times. I do, but for some reason I got Netflix back, and the first thing I, w- I saw was a bunch of anime crap, and then I was like, oh, but also I need to watch like crime documentaries because there's uh, people at work who watch nothing but crime docs. And I was like, what is it? What is what's the the fascination? And I get it. I don't know the exact ins and outs of what draws me to the genre, but at the same time. It's a good genre. It's a good way to waste a day or an evening. And uh, yeah. I will watch people talk about the most horrific shit for hours on end. Yeah. Um, the one I, was I think everybody gets that, though. I think everybody gets that. They'll, they'll see something that's probably the most horrendous shit that you could see. And just, you get invested in it. Like, that. Uh, that's why they keep making films about fucking Ted Bundy. <laughs> the, uh, the one I watched was uh, The Devil Next Door. And it's about this uh, guy from Cleveland who they're like, oh, he's just like a normal, everyday office worker. I was like, no, he was a Nazi, uh, like, death camp concentration guard. And you're like, oh, uh, how did that happen? And they go back and they explain. And it only came out because they accused him of being one of the worst in history. And I was like, well, look, I worked for the Nazis in a death camp years ago, but I wasn't that guy in a Nazi death camp. And you're like... Are you trying to put shades of grey on being a like a literal Nazi death camp guy? Like you can't really put the shade of grey on that one and hope to walk away yeah. with it. You you've started at Zed. You can't then walk that back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's just 
he he's trying to be nice as well. Like he gets put on trial in Israel. Um, the U.S. Uh, D or drops his citizenship, and then ship him out to Israel the same day, and then he is put on trial and he's trying to like say like oh he's trying to make a nice impression. He's saying like oh shalom, like he's saying hi and just waving at people and he's like some guy comes up to him and is like I want to see your eyes because if I see your eyes I know that you were the man who put my daughter in the gas chamber or put my sister in the gas chamber and he's like trying to shake the guy's hand yep. what the fuck <laughs> you can't like charm your way out of being at a Nazi death camp uh, guard it's just it's just not happening but he was like I'll give it a go what's the worst that could happen it's like you had to kind of out yourself to avoid being out as an even worse concentration camp guard it was it's a surreal experience and it, it made me think about uh, you know defense attorneys and stuff like that because there's two guys who are like we'll take your case because we think there might be a, a travesty of justice here and these guys go through hell like their their family they're, there's one uh, lawyer from israel and one from america and the american's like he's my client i'll make some money i'll become famous and i'll get on it'll push my career forward whatever and one guy's like i hate the system i'm gonna burn it down from the inside and he's uh he's the he's the lawyer from Israel, who is like basically at one point almost disowned by his own family for defending a, a Nazi war criminal. And you're like, damn, that's uh that's a big risk for some guy from Cleveland slash yeah the concentration camps. Kind of is the kind of thing you just want to leave alone. Like maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe you read about that in the paper it. and say, on to the next page. <laughs> yeah, just go. Oh look, this guy died. Oh no. Lawyers, no lawyer can be found for a possible war criminal. Eh, not my problem. <laughs> X Men's on TV tonight. I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, old old X Men from the two thousands era. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, I watched two thousand two thousand and two's X Men. I'm trying to think if it was but, any yeah, other ones. Was that... Hugh Jack. <laughs> there was one that was interesting about uh, crack cocaine and like all the the mafia as well. Uh, Fear City, New York versus the mafia. Which features hilarious interviews with Rudy Giuliani before he went like onto Trump's legal team. Fucking outstanding documentary. I love the mafia for some reason. Like the the old school Italian mafia in New York just makes me. Hmm. It feels all of it feels really sleazy but classy at the same time. Maybe it's like The Godfather too much. Anyway, I mean The Godfather is a spectacular film, but the minute I hear anything about Rudy Giuliani, I just think. Ugh. You just get it little. <laughs> like something so fucking creepy about that guy. <laughs> why is there? F- like you just say Rudy Giuliani, and you're like, oh, why is there phlegm in the back of my throat? Yeah. Why am I disgusted for no reason? <laughs> I mean, the guy looked like he was actively melting the last time he was. I saw him on TV. <laughs> Who was the? I because there, there was other people that were from there at the, the time, and they're like the the, the lawyers that are under him. And they're just like, this might work out, it might be horrible, we might get death threats. But they were like, yeah, we're kind of treated with a little bit of respect. And because we had police guards on us 24-7, nothing actually came of it. But then every every interview with Rudy is like, yeah, I just had to solve the case myself. What? <laughs> there, were, there weren't like massive teams of cops bugging restaurants and cars for like days on end. It was all just Rudy saying, ah, I think we got to go for the big guys. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Trying to claim uh, ownership of an idea that was had about 18 months before he was involved with it in any capacity. He's a very special man. Yeah. Oh, uh, who else is there? 
I was going to say, speaking of... What else that I could recommend that's on Netflix? Because I I made the decision at the start, end of, end of last year, start of this year, to uh, start watching Scrubs again. So I recently just finished watching that, and now there's enough of WandaVision coming out that I've been binge-watching that. So I need now that I've caught up to date with WandaVision and finished Scrubs, I need to find something that's worth watching on Netflix, because so far it's all just stuff that I've either watched or I would re-watch The Office again about the fifth time on a different streaming service well can i pass a little bit of judgment on something that's on there just now i finished Over. it today started yesterday finished it today but it's yep. uh blood of zeus have you seen this one uh, the the anime yeah it's by powerhouse studios the guys who did castlevania and we i think mm. we real both enjoyed castlevania i don't know if you've seen yeah, all we th- gushed about that you seen season, season three because season three was just fucking insane <laughs> Bill, i think i watched it twice because bill nye's character was so fucking good <laughs> um but it's uh, actually the writers behind a movie called immortals i don't know if, I, I know i've talked about it recently oh that fucking god awful henry cavill movie yeah henry cavill john hart and mickey rook uh telling john us hurt in that? Huh? is john hurt in that yeah john hurt's playing old man zeus Jesus, I blocked that shit completely. <laughs> it's one of his last roles, and you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> but I, I quite liked the, the style of that. I think they only really get to use it for uh, the gods of these Titans fights. So it turns out that like the writers for that, uh, Charles and Laz, and I'm going to mess up their surname because it's Greek, Parlipinides, that's close enough. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> that, that'll do. Um, but they wrote Immortals and were asked to make a similar uh, Greek-based storyline for uh, Blood of Zeus. And they made up this hero called Heron, who is one of Zeus's many, many, many bastard children. And it's a battle uh, between the gods and the titans, or in this case, it's kind of the descendants of the titans, who are uh, just demons. Uh, they've basically eaten the flesh of the titans and are corrupted. And there's a, it's, a, it's okay. It's not bad. Uh, there's a lot of weird moments in it. I just finished it about two hours before we came on. So I'm still in the kind of afterglow of the, the finale, which was a big battle scene between the gods and the titans, which was awesome. But uh, there's a lot of moments now that are just kind of very mediocre. And I don't know where it comes from because it's the same style as Castlevania with that thick the thick character lines, the mix of 2D, 3D. Mm-hmm. And uh, the action scenes are really good. The like the 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 demons are so far above human characters in this show that when they just let loose, it's hilarious. At one point, I think he backhands someone through a tree, and I almost fucking lost it because <laughs> someone else runs. It was like, oh, I'll get him while he's distracted, and the guy like elbows him down at the ground, and you just hear like bones crunch. I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of weird stuff in there. And uh, the main one I noticed was moments of just emptiness. Uh, there's one point in episode three uh, with a, a group of people who are being quizzed by the leader of the demons. And a woman steps forward to say, hey, don't be so mean. We, we'll help you, but you got to just uh, like give us, a, give us a break. We're refugees or whatever. The demon shoves the spear through her head so fast, I laughed. Which is probably not the reaction that they wanted for. But um, Probably not. The, <laughs> just remembering it now. Because it's just like, there's almost like you see the flash of the movement and it's very good very convincing animation um but then i realized that all the people that were in the background of the woman had all just disappeared 
so that they could focus entirely on her being stabbed in the head. And it's not like they zoomed in to show her face in like weird, like gory detail. They had basically the same shot. They just took all the other people out of it. I'm like, that's odd because it's like an instant reaction, and you don't hear any of them go, "Oh my god!" Like they just stabbed Judy in the head. What the hell? You know, there's no reaction to it. So it's it's a very strange show like that. So they do it with the uh, the audio as well. In the first episode, um, Alexia, who's the the main character, and uh, Heron. Uh, or the main woman, the main guy, capture this uh, demon who's masquerading as a human. They chain up the demon in the town square and torture the hell out of it, uh, using, like, fire and, like, stabbing it with a couple swords to, like, get it to talk. And it changes over a demon do. form. And then it starts to, like, threaten doom on people. Because, you know, episode one, you need to kind of explain, oh, great demon, great doom is coming, the demon lord and his dark army, and you have six episodes to prepare or whatever, you know. Alexia beheads this demon... And sets it on fire. You get a gasp of horror at the fact your neighbour just turned himself into a monster, got beheaded, then burns like potassium. And then Alexia takes five steps away to talk to Heron, and there's complete silence. There's no ambient noise of people like running away or crying or screaming that, you know, all hell is breaking loose on their backyard. There's just nothing. It's just audio booth silence as two characters explain what's going to happen next. It's weirdly empty in that regard. It gets better and they do sort out bits and pieces like that later on, but that first couple episodes is quite rough. Mm. My assumption is that episode one and two are like draft versions that were shown to people or shown to Netflix to try and get the, the show made, and episode three onwards were done with like the full budget. All right. But I don't know. It's I'd say it pays off, but... I'm not sure what it'll be like in the long run because apparently they've planned for five seasons, but Netflix tends to drop animated shows like you know hot potatoes. Yeah, the way I see it, if you if you've not got your anime sorted within two seasons, chances are whoever's hosting it is gonna just drop it. Happens quite a lot. I mean, unless you're Dragon Ball. <laughs> in that case, you can go as many fucking seasons as you want. Well, that's TV broadcast. They don't give a shit. One Piece is at nine hundred and thirty episodes. Yeah, they, they could give a fuck. <laughs> They're like, it'll be on every Wednesday at 9pm. Golden. Yeah. As long as two Namir want to post it. I think even the manga has gotten to the point where they haven't found whatever the big treasure is. I think it's just called One Piece. Yeah. I don't think they actually know what the One Piece is yet. Yeah. I reckon it's just a single piece of gold that says, ha fuck you. <laughs> I hope, I really hope it's a note that says it was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just the collective shit show that <laughs> will unleash up on Twitter is going to be fantastic break. much like Minecraft Steve did for Smash it would break Twitter <laughs> just, <laughs> I, there's a bunch of, like that old like the, the friends we made along the way is like a long standing anime meme and if it was the actual ending of One Piece I'd be so so happy <laughs> I'd be I'd be kind of disappointed for the people who spent years reading the manga because it's been going solid for like twenty years, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's gonna be hell on earth if it actually happens. Although I think they know they're wrapping up soon, so I mean it's conceivable we might find out in the remains of our human lifespan, but even then that's like fifty fifty chances. They did that with Berserk as well. They were just sick of uh, they they made. At the, well, at the beginning of or past the Golden Age arc, they realised that Guts's personal story was getting sidelined more and more and more. 
because he was just dealing with other shit. So they basically just said, how can we make him focus more on, you know, killing the god hand? We cure Casca. And then they just take it from there. So now it's Guts and a cured Casca dealing with other shit. So they're looking to wrap up fairly soon. And it can only really end, in, in my opinion anyway, with Guts dying. Because there's no version of this where he gets out alive. I think, anyway. Yeah. Well, the the case with that is a bit different just because the sheer amount of work that the guy puts into drawing the manga. It's at yeah. the point where he... <laughs> this is going to sound really, really stupid. But he made a new manga series so that he could use that as a training bed for two new artists that would hopefully help him finish Berserk. That's how grand the scale of like the production for Berserk's manga is. He's like making an entirely new series, but it's some people are saying he's been drawn more into that than he's been focusing on the main storyline of Berserk, and that that itself has slowed down production. But they're at the point now where it's like they get one or two volumes a year at best. Yeah. So I don't know what the the timeline for that is, but I get that is one that they're saying, yeah, we're getting towards the end. Get ready, you know, you've got a a year or two, whatever, to figure out what we want to do. So hopefully they can wrap it all up. Yeah, I just hope they they eventually give us a good animated adaptation because the last one, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, was shit, utter garbage. Yeah, <laughs> and I can usually find something watchable in anything, but no, it's just. The overuse of the the clang sound effect and just the animation itself was not good. <laughs> the uh, the the anime review channels that have done videos on it, the best thing they can say is if there were like three thing, three or four things that make up a scene, the new berserk, the newest part of it, the first one, almost irredeemable, the second part of it, it will get three out of the four things right. But the fourth thing, it will get so wrong, it takes you back out of the scene. <laughs> You're like, oh no, there it is. <laughs> There's always something. And I think that was, I think for one, a couple of scenes, like they don't know how to move the camera in 3D because no one's used to using it that way. Or the other yeah. one is the clang, where you just have yeah. the same repetitive clang noise being used. It sounds like a frying pan hitting another frying pan every time uh, the guts of the sword is actually used in battle. It sounds like an over. It sounds like an over. Uh, echoed version of the the frying pan hit noise from Left 4 Dead 2. Yes, that. Yeah, it just looks like someone's added a shit ton of echo and drawn that out. <laughs> but I, uh, it's one thing about we had we had an ending to Dragon Ball Z, but yeah. we were happier when it we're happy when it came back. I wonder if that will it, it can't be the same way when One Piece or Bizarre Kids because nah. it's been so long. It might take a while, but. Give it like a decade and maybe somebody will go, actually I had one more story I wanted to tell him, but oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> It'll I take think we were happy years. when Dragon Ball came back because GT was so shit. So we're like, we can't end it like that. We can't end <laughs> it with Goku fusing with Shenron <laughs> and becoming Dragon Ball Jesus. So yeah, we can concrete and over the memory. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. We've got Dragon Ball Super that continues the story because they realise that Dragon Ball's profitable. <laughs> I wonder if they would still have him in the Olympics, because he was supposed to be there. Uh, they were supposed to have yeah. Goku in there as an, as like a, a representative of Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope he still makes it because I, I think it's funny. Uh, you can guarantee that there would have been uh, anime adverts with, you know, Goku and Vegeta doing you know Olympic events like doing <laughs> shot punch shit like that. Gohan doing a sprint. They would have milked it for all of its worth. I want to see the Olympic McDonald's advert with Goku. 
<laughs> and like, hey, come and get anything you want. Just go because you shows up and destroys the fucking building. <laughs> three, three fry cooks commit suicide on the day. <laughs> Just non-stop shoveling food into his face from start to end of the shift. <laughs> they do a Godzilla type scene with, or they do a Jurassic Park type scene where the water starts shaking and it's just Goku running in and says anything I want huh <laughs> who is the uh, have have we seen anything for that new Godzilla versus King Kong trailer uh, I, I've, I've watched the trailer I, it looks good I'll, I'll watch it because I, I haven't hated the last two Godzilla films King of the Monsters was great that was just a dumb dick flick I fucking love that film <laughs> uh, the first Godzilla was it was good, but it was just you can't put Brian Cranston as your lead actor and then kill him in fifteen minutes. Yeah. It's not how it works. But the new one looks pretty good. If they focus more on, you know, Godzilla fighting a giant monkey as opposed to all the human shit that goes on in between it because uh, when they first got the new T V, first thing me and my brother watched was Godzilla King of Monsters and I realized that uh Millie Bobby Brown was in it. And I don't know what the fuck she did. <laughs> I, I can't remember what the hell she did if I remember Phil Mental's review on it it was that she can talk to monsters I think it's any of them she has a machine that can talk to monsters a machine that can put out the frequency of monsters or something I don't know she, can't, her, her, she herself can't talk to monsters I think the only person that could do that was the weird Mothra twins from the original Godzilla films <laughs> Or, or, hear me out, for an extended universe, Doctor Doolittle. Bring back Eddie Murphy. <laughs> They're going to say the, the Robert Downey Jr. version where he's Welsh and never looks at the camera. No, 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 no. We, we can't have that sort of thing going on. <laughs> no. I watched a review of that and I realised that throughout this whole film you never see the, the front of Robert Downey Jr.'s Doctor Doolittle. Huh? He always talks with his back to the camera. You never see his face. Or you rarely see his face. They just edited him as much as they could out of the movie while keeping him technically the lead role. Yeah. I, I kind of want to watch that now. <laughs> so I had that on the list of, like, worst movies of all time. Although that list for me is getting pretty damn long at this point. Although some of that I do not recognise. Um, but there was one I found that was called Nuki. It was... Uh, I started watching a lot of uh, Red Letter Media, who are this review channel on YouTube. And they, they've just been tearing at movies for like a decade now at this point. But they found yeah, a not film... Not on Red Letter Media. You're not? No. No. Uh, well, just they have this weird fascination with a film called Nuki uh, from 1987. And they say it's like E.T. but racist. And I was like, how bad could it possibly be? I watched the trailer and I'm like, I know exactly where this is going to go. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so I need to... I kind of want to get a copy of it just for the laugh. But at the same time... I can't find it because they've made such a meme out of it. You can only get it on VHS and the VHS has cost $90. And even then you're paying that for a VHS which probably doesn't work anymore. But I'll see if I can find it because it's not streaming anywhere. Someone somewhere has to have a copy of this movie. And I want to see horrific, really weird and racist E.T. Just because it sounds like a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, it might be worth a watch. I, I mean, the last film, the last newest film that I watched was uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. <laughs> how is it is it is it okay please tell me it's okay it's good yeah it's oh. uh, good but pedestrian it's exactly what you expect it is going to be there's nothing surprising about it I mean at this point I think they were just told can you please just make the movie so fans will shut up about it 
<laughs> can we just close the loop? No, it's a uh, one thing I've noticed that is I think I've seen enough films and TV to then be able to figure out how something or how I think something's going to end within the first ten minutes of the film. Oh, and right. the minute, the minute. Uh, this is very a very douchey thing to say, but fuck it, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just figure out films, and that is, I hate it. Frankly, but, uh, I find the pedestrian pace of modern television to be rather predictable. <laughs> yes, there's a cripple on my moustache. But uh, no, it, uh, I knew they were going to play it safe because there's nobody they could try anything new and have. Uh, they, they couldn't really try anything wild without the fans going, "Hold the phone, this is bad. Like we're not, we're not having this." Wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just uh, it starts off with them playing a wedding for uh, Bill and Ted's stepmoms. It's the same woman, but in the first mo- film it was Bill's stepmother. Second film it was Ted's stepmother. The third film, uh, their former stepmother is now marrying Ted's younger brother. Okay. Which I thought, okay, that's a pretty funny way to open it. And they're playing their their wedding, and it's um they're playing this horrible shitty song because the whole point of the film is they make the music they make the song that unites the world right <laughs> and they're now getting to the point where they're in their 40s in the third film they're in their like, late 40s early 50s they still haven't made the song so now they're just trying to run them shitty bunch of like combination <laughs> of, of music to try and make the perfect song turns out it's just you know I'm pretty sure uh, Bill brings out an oboe and starts playing that, and then Ted's like, playing a theremin, and it's just it's a fucking funny song. I'm pretty sure you can get that exact song on Spotify. Uh, and then the whole point of like they they just keep you know headbutting like banging their heads together trying to figure out the song, and they've still got the the, the princesses from the first two films, like, you know the marriage and shit. Them trying to find the songs, but are in their marriage. They've got kids, and their kids are fucking idiots as well, and. But the kids are musical geniuses. They know everything that there is to know about music. And then it was at that point I realised, like, ah, right, this is how the film's going to end. And the whole plot, the whole plot of the film is that they are trying to travel back in time or travel forward in time to a point where they've already made the song, so that <laughs> they don't have to do the legwork. <laughs> I think I saw someone say that there was it was a good time travel little conceit, like it's a good little joke. But at the same time, you see it coming from a mile off. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I liked about the film. It was predictable, but it was still, it was still pretty funny. Like, they brought Death back from the second film. And I was like, yeah, I like how they brought him back. They kicked him out of the band originally because he would do three-hour uh, cello solos. And he was like, I was just in the groove, man. Like, don't, don't hurt my mail. <laughs> For three <That's> hours. <laughs> I mean, he's death. What are they going to do? Just, oh, we didn't like your cello. There you go, you're dead. <laughs> just poke him in the chest. Nope. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely definitely worth a watch. If you like the Bill and Ted movies, it's, it's worthwhile. Keanu Reeves and uh, is it, I think it's Alex Winter don't look exactly like they used to, but they look enough like their old characters to make the film watchable, make it funny. Uh, and the soundtrack, of course, it's all just metal and rock, uh, like really good. Obviously, they don't have uh, George Carlin back as Rufus because he's unfortunately passed away, but they do have Kristen Schaal, play his daughter and I was fine with that I fucking love Christian Shaw interesting choice but I guess it makes sense yeah I mean you have George Carlin who was quite a serious dude then you get Christian Shaw who is a rainbow trapped in a human body <laughs> it's just a delightful <laughs> human being yeah I'll, and I'll, I'll also uh, the key or one of the the greatest minds on time travel is Kid Cuddy he knows everything there is to know about time travel <laughs> okay 
And I thought, I don't know who this is, but now I do. <laughs> I, I do like that. There's like a little bit of reverence. It's like, okay, we're like a rock, we're, we're rock film, we're rock staple. But let's give a little bit of appreciation to another genre. I mean, quite a bit because they go and get uh, the their daughters. They travel back in time to get some of the greatest musicians that give them their dad's inspiration to help write the song. So they go and get Jimi Hendrix, right. uh, Louis Armstrong, All right. uh, Mozart, and uh, a Japanese like historical musician and the person who invented the earliest historical version of drums. And they just kind of slam them all together and then but there's some weird shit in that. Like The guy that they got to play Louis Armstrong was clearly just a black guy. Like, the accent's not great. <laughs> The impression is awful, but it's just they got someone that looked a bit like him that could do the smile, the Lee Armstrong smile. It's just like, yeah, you <laughs> you go ahead and do it. You'll do. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll do pretty much. But no one was watching that film for you know highbrow commentary. <laughs> they were just watching it because it's a Bill and Ted film. And you see Dave Grohl call the police on Bill and Ted because Bill and Ted technically broke into the house. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's good that they're throwing something a bit more contemporary because, like, so many of those things are based on that uh, late eighties, early nineties metal scene, like just before it dies to like grunge. Yeah. So giving like the idea that there was like further generations of metal. Yeah. Or rock. I mean, and the, stuff the most up to date, the most up to date reference in Bill and Ted Two was Primus. Oh, fuck and that. Hell. And Primus was the band that sung the intro to South Park. You can't name any other songs that they did, I guarantee you can't. <laughs> I, I didn't even know they did the intro to South Park. <laughs> yeah, they did, Primus. Oh my god. Uh, I think they also sung that song in uh, all the songs in Team America. Like, Pearl Harbor sucks, but I miss you, and uh, Amer- <laughs> America, fuck yeah, they sang all those songs. I'm yeah, I mean, the good thing about the Bill and Ted Face the Music uh, box set that I got, it came with the first two movies remastered in 4K, so I'm... <laughs> okay with that to be able to watch those two films in high definition on my playstation when it decides to fucking work uh, it's worth it i think it was only about 20 quid or something i'm having that if only they would do the same thing with fucking wayne's world because i <laughs> fucking love those movies i hope the quest they never make a wayne's world 3 because i can't tell you the last thing that i've seen mike myers in uh... because he's got that uh, impressionist show on a channel on american tv i can tell you the channel but <laughs> Mike Myers, I don't think he's doing too well. It might have unironically been Shrek. I'm not entirely really? sure. Yeah, it really might have been one of the Shrek films. Because <laughs> I think I've seen those more recently than I have one of the Austin Powers movies, and that's all that I really like from him. I think I saw The Love Guru and was like, this is so unfunny. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to leave, but I was like in the room with people that I don't see that often, so I was like, I can't be that dick. I can't be that dickhead. I've got to stay and just kind of grin through this movie and go... Uh-huh, yeah, it's funny that he's, like, really vaguely racist Indian guy. Yeah, great. This is... Yeah, and great. cross-eyed Ben Kingsley, you had one of the greatest actors on the planet play some weird cross-eyed Indian guru that helps Mike Myers. Oh, fuck off. It's such a bad film. <laughs> it was the... Oh, God. What was his last film? Was his last film not horrifically bad? Ben Kingsley? Yeah. The last film that I remember seeing him in was a film called Ender's Game. And that came out about... 10 years ago so that's the last film I think I've seen him in <laughs> I didn't even watch the full fucking film but I was just like this is bad get it off wait I think I said he died I think he's still alive no Ben Kingsley's alive yeah okay right I, that's think, he, <laughs> I think he might have been in Jungle Book 
Uh, yeah, he was Bagheera in the Jungle Book 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is a very much underrated film. That film's... I've watched that multiple times. I forgot he was in The Dictator. <laughs> was it? Oh, fuck yes, yeah, so he was. And he was in Iron Man 3 as... Uh, what's his name? The He's the terrorist. Uh, oh, the Mandarin. Yes. For the actor that plays the Mandarin. I thought that was one of the best, like, funniest kind of, like, what, like kind of curtain drop uh, revealing the man behind the curtain moments yeah. I've seen the one. I thought it was good. It's just that I... As someone who watched the 90s cartoon, I've been wanting Mandarin to show up in some capacity in Iron Man for decades. Mm-hmm. But he'll show up when he shows up. Oh, uh, we actually talked about films. This is way back. I think it may have been just after the last uh, podcast we recorded. But I was yep. Dread again. The Carl oh, Urban one. Yeah. Red? Dread. Oh, Dread, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Retired and Extremely Dangerous is a fantastic film with... Helen Mirren, John Malkovich. I think Morgan Freeman's in the first one. Bruce Willis is there. Bruce Willis, yeah, because he's an old fuck now. He's <laughs> he's an ancient fuck. Uh, I saw somebody go through his uh, newer films right now, the ones that he's doing just to write it off on his taxes. Holy yeah. shit. Which <laughs> is bad. He's not there half the time. He just can't be bothered to upset. So, oh, just use the, the back of the head for the body double. I'll get my shots later. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, fuck. Great attitude. I mean, he's just cashing the checks now. That's all he has to do. Yeah, I mean... Keep the SAG membership so you can keep working on anything big that someone wants to put you in and then just phone it in for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's he's enjoying his money, as, uh, as I wish some actors would do. Like, when you see, uh, before his passing, you see Carl Reiner in a film, you're like, dude, just stop acting and enjoy <laughs> your money. I get I get that it's something that you just have to do, but you, you're best friends with Mel Brooks. That's going to give you more excitement than acting. Just stay and enjoy your money. You're one of the richest people on the planet. <laughs> Just enjoy your money. But yeah, um, the one thing I noticed after watching Dread is that obviously Netflix's algorithms for suggesting what you might want to watch. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read you some of the things that came up on the list after watching Dread. Um, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed, Mortal Engines, and Battle Los Angeles. I mean, just... Three thirds <laughs> of movies. Like You go from Dread, which is probably one of the best superhero movies of the past decade. Mm. I think it came out 2010, 2011 or something. Mm. Never was. Something around there. Maybe yeah. later. Dread's <laughs> yeah. a fucking phenomenal movie. Talk about something that just takes... It's not exactly 100% canon or true to the comics, but it just takes what Dread is and makes that exactly. Yeah. Takes the essence you of Dread take... and then runs with yeah. it. Yeah. It takes the exact essence of Dread and just puts that everywhere. Makes that on point. Yeah. Uh, it never takes his helmet off. Fucking fantastic film. And then you go from that to Assassin's Creed, which I don't remember watching, but apparently I have watched it. Because I remember the Animus scene, where <laughs> the Animus kind of plugs into his back, and then it's him in some kind of big massive virtual reality room, instead of him, you know, in the actual Animus, where he's lying down and getting plugged into the machine. Uh, I never. I wanted to watch Mortal Engines, but then I realised if I wanted to watch Mortal Engines, I could just watch Hell's Moving Castle. <laughs> apparently a better version. And then, what was the third one? Battle Los Angeles. There are more. But Battle Los Angeles. Battle Los Angeles. Yeah. That's that horrible, horrible film with Aaron Eckhart. Um, and I think so. Yeah, it is. Film. Yeah, because I was thinking, for a moment, I was thinking about the uh, the John Travolta one. The one that's about Scientology. Oh, that's, well, it's about Scientology. Yeah, John Travolta did a movie about Scientology, basically like a thousand years on, 
aliens come along and uh, oh yeah 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 more than region that battlefield battle of Los Angeles, battlefield Earth, yes that's the that's yeah. very similar names that's why yeah. we're confused oh, fuck you've just made me remember the end of battle los angeles <laughs> and it's just oh you guys have done a service to your country go in there and grab some breakfast and then they start going oh we need to deploy units to here 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 and here because those fuckers are still everywhere and they start reloading their guns and it goes guys i thought i told you to get some get some breakfast sir we already had breakfast let's go we eat aliens for breakfast for fuck's sake <laughs> i went to see that for someone's birthday and i said to them would you be offended if i walked out and they said i'm i'm already going he got his coat and walked out and I was, i'm following that guy it's like that it was, <laughs> that makes it, sense no, i think there was about eight of us that went to see this film me and the guy whose birthday it was walked out uh one of my friends' girlfriends went, where are you going? I went, this, that we're gone. And they just went, don't fucking leave us. And then eight of us all just walked out. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> we're still about... Don't leave us here. You could all just leave. <laughs> Stopping yeah. you. We're all agreeing this film sucks ass. The worst part is, it's ripping off a better film. It's ripping off Black Hawk Down. Where they have yeah. to, they basically run in, everybody drops their gear, reloads, rearms, grabs like half an MRE and is eating it on the way back out to the chopper to redeploy. And yeah. it's a much better film. And it's because I think the only reason we went to see that is because Aaron Eckhart was Two Face, and I think oh. that came out around about the same as The Dark Knight, same time as The Dark Knight. <laughs> so like, he's got to be a great actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he killed it as Two Face. He's yeah. got to be good. Then he watched that, and I was just, yeah, what the fuck was that? I'm pretty sure uh, Kel from Keenan and Kel, Kel Thompson was in that. I don't know. I need to check. I remember him being in it. I saw this film once on DVD when we got it at like the Christmas it came out, and after that I was like, ah, fuck this, I'm never returning to this film again. This is this conversation right now is the most mental energy I've spent on yeah. Battlefield Los Angeles in a decade. Easy. I, in the cinema, no shit, I had, to, I had to excuse myself and go and do, you know, just childish shit in the, in the cinema. Like I started throwing jelly beans at someone. <laughs> bored. I like that you say you excuse yourself. Like you just sat there looking at the bag of jelly beans, looking at some bald guy three rows down, like, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I must attend to some urgent business. <laughs> Yeet. Just kind of, cause I was sitting next to some some people. It was this guy's birthday, and you could tell he wasn't into it because he just kept scrolling on his phone, was like, just getting that kind of want, don't want to be here, exhale, just kind of. Not wanting to be in this space right now, and I just went, oh, "Fuck's sake, what am I going to do? I'm bored, senseless. I don't have anything on my phone because I was using Blackberries at the time. I can't play games on my phone, <laughs> and I had a bag of fucking jelly beans in my pocket, and I just took them out of my pocket and I went, "Excuse me for a minute, <laughs> fucking right on his dome. Fuck you, just <laughs> <Started> throwing <laughs> jelly beans at this guy." Oh, other other things on the list: Terminator Genesis, Wild Wild oh, West. Fuck no. Jesus. Dracula Untold. Yeah, that's I, probably the most watchable out of that list. I quite like that, just because I like Luke Evans, and he's quite fun. And uh, uh, Ian, and Charles dances on Immortal Vampire yeah. is probably too close to home at this point. <laughs> like, there's, the worst part is, that film, I've got the Blu-ray for it, there's extra scenes in there that would have made the film a lot more fun and a lot more weird. Like, at one point they were going to go find a witch's hut, there was actually a giant tentacle monster at the same time. So you, had, oh, right. you had like a shed on top of a weird land octopus that just ran away in the woods like that would have been cool show me that <laughs> so this is bullshit um, both of the new Hulk movies uh, like the Ang Lee and the Ed Norton one uh, bef- oh, yeah, before yeah, the MCU yeah. 
and then uh, Rampage, that one with the Rock and the Albino King Kong. Now, that was not bad, but it was it was still not not fantastic. It just begs the question: What does Netflix have against Dread? Right, Dread's a good movie. Why are you putting it with this shit? Yeah, I mean, why? Dread's a superb film. Why why lump it in with all that crap? Because that is just diarrhea. <laughs> Visual diarrhea. All, all of those films that make you sad that you watch them. Yeah. <laughs> I think I own Rampage on Blu-ray. Can, can I borrow it? I don't want to pay money for it, but I want to borrow it. I mean, if it's on Netflix, I may as well just watch it there. Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna be able to get. I'm not gonna be able to get a copy to you anything. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the worst part is the logistics side of this quarantine because we are still now under lockdown. Um, things are looking a bit better now. I yeah. tweeted out the like recent infections map or something like that for uh, Scotland, and it's improving. I, I think we're doing a little better. But the English are just not getting the point for somehow. Uh, but yeah. we're doing all right. Uh, although apparently our vaccinations are going to slow down in the next yeah. couple of weeks so that'll be fun yeah which is probably not the best way to do it I, I say we just keep pulling them out just keep you know keep apparently giving it's the a vaccines. supply issue so I don't think we have a choice right, yeah. here so because yeah. we didn't get a massive supply of the vaccine here we just kind of got I think we got some like 2 million doses for the entirety of the UK ah <laughs> uh, fuck's sake <laughs> yeah which, which is not a good sign but speaking of supply and demand my Xbox watch continues unsuccessfully it's you, it's not going well are you still not are you not waking up at four in the morning to check argos and uh amazon religiously i have shit to do man i have a, <laughs> two, I have a, I have a twelve thousand word dissertation to write i have two three thousand word essays to write i have about twenty one thousand words to write over the next two months i have plenty my cup runneth over with shit to do i am not spending all my time looking for Xboxes. If one comes around, sure, I'll grab the motherfucker with both hands. But until then, I got enough shit to play that's not getting played. Uh and there's enough stuff coming out to keep there's enough stuff that I can get access to that's gonna keep me going. Unfortunately it does mean I'm not gonna be able to play Resident Evil 8 despite the fact I really want to play that. I'm not gonna be able to play Yakuza like a dragon and the new Yakuza spin off judgment when they come out. I mean I've already got like a dragon. I bought that a while ago thinking it would run perfectly on my Xbox, but uh, nah. no. No. <laughs> I was the th- Xbox OG is on its last legs, I think. Yeah. The what was it? You said that it's uh Yakuza Like a Dragon, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think I was listening to somebody review or talk about that today and say it's a total departure from previous Yakuza games. Yeah, it's a turn based RPG. Ah right. Cause and I, I, I can deal with a turn based RPG if it's in the Yakuza universe, because it's a universe I'm buying into whole hog. I've bought so many Yakuza games. I have Yakuza 0 on PlayStation, but obviously can't use that because the PlayStation is shite. Uh, Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 Remastered Collection on PS4 as well. Uh, Yakuza 6 on PS4. The only ones I don't have are the remake of 1 and 2. And the spin-off game Judgment, because I'm not going to buy that now. Or it's just going to get remade <laughs> for PS5 and Xbox Series X. So there's no point in buying it now. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh... and it's the same reason why I haven't bought uh, the Scrubs box set because I was listening to uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison's podcast Fake Doctors Real Friends which I want to pick a bone with those motherfuckers they've been doing this less time than we have right and they're better than us <laughs> it's because they, they can call someone and say hey we don't know how to do this and somebody go I'll take care of it for you yeah they can call Heather Locklear or John C. McGinley or 
Ken Jenkins and just go, hey, do you want to be a guest on our podcast? Like, Absolutely. Who, who do we call? <laughs> who do we call? No one. It's fine. Just phone, our, just phone our mobiles and our technician will somehow patch us all together through one big audio call that's all perfectly balanced and synced. And you're like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Incidentally, fantastic podcast. Faked off your show, friends. Uh, the guest, it's only an hour long, so it's not fucking massively long. Then again, I might be slightly tainted by long podcasts because I've been listening to Critical Role for two years. It feels ah, <laughs> I've been listening to Critical Role for two years. Yeah, you but need yeah, to it's, it's quite short. Yeah, sorry, on you go. Uh, it's it's quite short, and they get uh, the last episode that I listened to. They had uh, the Todd on the episode. The episode I'm listening to currently has got the Todd Robert Marshall, and it's always funny to hear the actors be completely different from the characters because. <laughs> Obviously, Todd's just kind of like, oh, Dong City, high five, bro, all that shit. Then you're Robert Marshall, and I'm like, you're actually a fairly articulate, eloquent dude. You have more than you're... three brain cells. Yeah. You you don't wear your uh, garage door opener on your belt instead of your pager. <laughs> I forgot about that joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it must be it, a really I... quiet morning. No, it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatching Scrubs, I realised just how fucking good Scrubs is. The, the... The first eight seasons. Yeah. Because then it goes to season, what they call season nine, but I call the med school spin-off yeah. that has the other characters in it because I always watch the first couple episodes of that and I'm just sitting thinking, is this the blonde girl, is she meant to be the new JD? Because you kind of don't have the chops. Sorry, kiddo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can have John C. McGinley in there doing John C. McGinley shit and he holds up a good portion. The good watchable parts of the show are him uh, Sarah Chalk and Donald Faison but they can't hold up the show forever if it's meant to be based on these new characters and Dave Franco's in there oh no every time I hear about him recently it just it's a kick in the nuts I don't know why <laughs> yeah I mean he can take it he's he's married to Alison, Alison Brie. Brie stop reminding me <laughs> the greatest yeah. pain of my life is that I am not married to Alison Brie okay <laughs> and then the fact, the fact that, that she's he's not, married she to her pisses me off was she in the role? Is she in the line for She-Hulk, possibly, or was she in the line? The the casting directors were told to look for an Alison Brie type. Like, dude, get Alison Brie. Like, <laughs> she will do it. Fucking get Alison. <laughs> but no, they went with the uh, somebody Mislani, Tatiana Mislani, and she'll oh. probably crush it. I mean, the, the Marvel don't really get the wrong actor for the for the right part. Uh, they always you know, knock it out of the park with the right actor. So I'm hope, uh, hoping it'll be more of that and less of a... Uh, uh, there's one problem. The I've Googled her and uh, unfortunately she's Canadian. So kind she's of... Canadian? That, yeah. It's not okay. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, when She-Hulk comes out, I'm still going to watch it because She-Hulk was always one of those characters that I that I, I kept up to date with because she was in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and she was quite a fun character in that. And also you don't see many characters that are lawyers. It's her and Daredevil. That's it. Like, <laughs> I forget that they have her like doing a normal job as well, and then she like superheroes on the side. Yeah, and it, it's funny she can't transform back. She's stuck, hulked out, so she's representing people in the courtroom, <laughs> and as she Hulk, just jacked as, green and ready to prosecute. <laughs> yeah, jacked green and I think eight foot tall. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hello, meet my lawyer. <laughs> she will bench press the building. <laughs> yeah, they, have, they have to raise the judges' benches because she clears them by about an even foot. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd give it a go. Yeah, I, I'd watch it. Because I had no faith in the Marvel TV shows after 
it, obviously Daredevil seasons one through three were just fucking outstanding. You can't go wrong with those. Uh, Jessica Jones season one was fucking outstanding. Uh, David Tennant was absolutely perfect as a uh, Kilgrave. Kilgrave? Yeah. Had to fact check that. Uh, I still don't believe that he's dead. Even though he got his neck snapped, he got hit by a bus before and he came back. Little neck snap's not going to do shit. Uh, then season two of that was awful because, as I've said many times in the podcast, Jessica Jones was the only competent character in season two. Everyone else just kind of goes, but I, I want to do what you do. And Jessica Jones like, fuck off, I'm trying to deal with shit here. <laughs> uh, then it got to Luke Cage and that had a shit ending as well after a good first season. And Iron Fist seasons one and two were just, ugh, just, just bad. Why would they end season two of Iron Fist by giving uh, a martial arts master who can channel the energy of an ancient dragon into his strikes pistols? He has two World War II 1911 pistols. Huh. I, I'm trying Why? to think of some kind of writing reason. <laughs> like, unless his dad was in, the, was in the military at that point. Like, it's a, a family heirloom. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> his family all died when he was young. And they were all... Uh, trust fund billionaires and shit like that but yeah after those films had kind of lost interest in the Marvel TV universe then comes along WandaVision and WandaVision is exactly what I wanted that I didn't know I wanted because it starts the first two episodes there's enough of a kind of it presents a very clean image of you know uh, Wanda is she's got the perfect life she's got Vision back and it's all presented in different era TV shows First one is 50s, second one is 60s. Well, the first two episodes are set in the 50s, then it goes to the 70s, then it goes 80s. And I think in the next couple of episodes, they're going 90s, 2000s, because the last episode that I watched was basically just Malcolm in the Middle, but with Marvel characters. It was pretty fucking funny. I did hear uh, that comparison being made. Like, they did even the full, like, intro credits thing. Oh, yeah. And even the talking to the camera. It's just, that was very much Malcolm in the Middle. But there's, obviously, there's the sitcom-type episodes, which is Wanda trying to control her our universe because uh, I, I don't want to spoil it because I genuinely just want people to watch it for yourself so I'm, I'm going to keep it spoil free uh, for reasons that you find it in the show she's trying to control the universe to you know to suit her needs and then there's other people outside of that trying to figure out what the fuck is Wanda doing why is this happening and there's a couple of sneaky little references that they throw in there that only set, only really attentive people are picking up like there's a, there's a point in uh one of the later episodes where a character says, I'm going back into the, they call it the Hex, like Wanda's little bubble. Right. She's created a little alternate universe. She says, I'm going back in, and another character says, no, you can't go back in. You, your molecular, your anatomy was altered when you left the bubble, and it's going to be altered again when you go back in. <laughs> if you go, if you go back in and come out again, you're, who knows what the fuck's going to happen to you. You basically, your cells are going to mutate, and I was like, motherfucker, this show's creating mutants interesting <laughs> so i think if that's how they do it they're going to use that as a kind of we're making mutants in this program <laughs> we're going to make mutants in one division and that's how they're going to join the mainline mcu like you're going to see be funny if they leaned into it a bit too much and they say oh, oh here's mailman logan it's like here's your mail bub <laughs> <laughs> i i, I mean, <laughs> just, just make... love for them it just turn around like directly to the camera if you go in there you will make mutants mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wouldn't, be wouldn't that be a shame <laughs> From what I've heard, like, it is the type of show that might do something that silly. Probably, because it, it it starts off as this kind of weird sitcom with Wanda and Vision, but then you see the cracks in the perfect little picture. There's one point where 
uh, someone keeps asking Wanda a question, then Wanda tries to kill him. <laughs> but uh, by choking on a piece of food, and his wife is sitting there because Wanda controls everything. She's sitting there trying to get him to stop it, but she can't shout at him. So she's just sitting there smiling, going, stop it, please stop it. And it's, it's fucking creepy, but there's little cracks in the thing, in, in the show, as it goes on, as you get further into Wanda's breakdown, essentially, that shows you that there's some kind of weird otherworldly aspect to this. A lot of people are saying that it's the... I mean, this is all fan theories. There's been nothing confirmed at all. This is just speculation, but there's a involvement from the demon Mephisto, who's basically Marvel's Satan, you know, making deals with Wanda to try and further her end. And if it is Mephisto, leave Mephisto with Wanda and Vision. Don't let Mephisto go anywhere near Spider-Man because that's where we get the bad comics involving <laughs> Spider-Man. But at the same time, we kind of need to let him... Well, actually, you could maybe keep him in that arena as long as he can interact with Deadpool. Just so we can have Deadpool versus the devil. I think there was actually a conflict like that and then he couldn't out... He couldn't make sense of Deadpool, so he just threw him away. Like, just yeah. fuck it, you back up to <laughs> go back to Earth. I can't deal with you. I cannot deal with shit posting in real life, in human form. <laughs> I'll throw you back to the universes. I can't deal with the walking, the personification of Fortran. Get the hell out of here. Did we mention that there is supposed to be a Deadpool three on the way? Yeah, and that it and should bridge the gap as well. Yeah, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because apparently they've stripped out everything except Ryan Reynolds. I did Obviously, hear there I were a few writers and stuff still attached. So because I think they said Ryan Reynolds was working on it with someone from Deadpool Two. Yeah, I, I can imagine them getting rid of a few of the cast members because I don't think Disney really want to work with T.J. Miller anymore. Uh, Nobody wants to work with T.J. Miller right now. <laughs> uh, but nah. getting rid of, I think they're still going for the uh, the R-rated uh, tag, which is fine. Yeah, because you need you need that for Deadpool at this point. Yeah, I just don't agree with them getting rid of a lot of the secondary characters. Like, bring back what was the the blind lady that he lives with? Oh, you could bring her back. That's not going to be much of an issue. I think the, uh, what they'll come back to is X Men casting. Yeah, bring back Blind Al. I want to see Leslie Uggams back in this year. Yeah, she's great, but and I think you can have her because she exists within her own little bubble with Deadpool. But I yeah. think once you get to the X-Men and then, uh, what's his name, the guy with the cyborg arms, Josh Brolin plays him, that presents Cable. problems. Cable, yep. That presents problems. I mean, not really. Thanos is dead, so. True. Maybe you could get away with it. But it would take... They, they're doing that with, um, I can't remember the character that she's playing, but there's an actress called Gemma Chan who was in Captain Marvel playing a, a Kree sniper called Minerva. Right. And she is in Eternals playing a completely different character, so... If they've killed off one character, they can just recast them. Fair enough that Minerva was blue in <laughs> Captain Marvel and obviously in Eternals it's just regular human skin tone. Right. So they can kinda of get away with it like that. And there was always there was also talk of Vin Diesel playing a live action black bolt because he doesn't need to speak. You're never gonna put two and two together that uh, Groot and Black Bolt are the same person. Right. He just needs to stand there and every so often open his mouth and let a nuclear explosion happen around him. But are we ready for ultra super saiyan jacked Vin Diesel? Because you have to get to that state to yeah. be in these I mean, movies. If, I mean, if Camille Nanjiani can do it. Apparently, by the way, he's kept that up. I he, haven't checked probably had to because Marvel have been probably doing reshoots for that. Yeah. No, apparently he's kept up. It should be done. 
or obviously with COVID being a bit of an issue. But I yeah. think he just kept it for fun. And you're like, interesting. So One Division is I like the idea of One Division being very weird because we were talking about One Division at one point uh, during this conversation. But I like the fact that Marvel has spent so long taking flack for being like repetitive movies and very predictable same movies. And mm. yet One Division has its own entire thing going with pocket dimensions and different genres and just mm. I'm impressed by that. And I like the idea that they're doing that as well as like Deadpool gets to keep its uh, R or R rating as it goes in for another movie. I like that. I like it's uh it's a bit of a brave move for, you know, Disney. Mm-hmm. Marvel like he's making it, but with Disney at the helm you're like, uh maybe <sighs> Yeah. I, I just want them to do the the X Men right because as we both grew up in the nineties X Men was something that was just built into our fucking DNA. Yeah. Uh, I just want them to do even if it's just a version of the X Men, not the X Men verbatim as it is in the comics. I just want them to do it properly. Even if they don't have Wolverine, you know, Logan, have it be X twenty three. Just treat the X Men right. Because a lot of people are very much looking forward to X Men. Mainline MCUs. Actually having Wolverine fight uh, new Captain America Sam Wilson. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. Hulk Wolverine as well, if you want to go all the way out there. Yeah, that 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 would be cool. If if they introduced Wolverine as they did in the comics way back fucking fifty odd years ago. Hulk goes rogue, they just say, Alright, don't worry, we got this guy from Canada, you know, best tracker, best hunter around. How do we talk to him? Oh you don't. You just give him money and let him go. <laughs> <laughs> What happens after get a name, you don't uh, Logan, that's the only name he gives. <laughs> then you just have Logan stalking the Hulk and have you know the big fight scene. You have an entire movie's worth of a fight scene. I wonder yeah, how they'd handle that. <laughs> yeah. Huh? I think it'd be tricky because like at a certain point you it would become not quite like monster like I would almost say like a kaiju movie. It would be like a Godzilla vs. King Kong. Yeah, we knew that'd be pretty cool as well, because some of the some of the cooler uh, comic book interpretations of the Hulk is when he just goes pure monster. Mm-hmm. You know, when he is detaches himself from humanity and just lives in the woods. Then you see people saying, oh, be wary. I've heard that there's this giant green monster in the woods. And you just see, you know, the trees breaking. And you see the top of his hairline and people going, oh, shit, it's the Hulk. And then just <laughs> madness ensuing from that. So if they could do that, where it's, the film starts off with Wolverine stalking the Hulk, then have a big massive fight where the Hulk Wolverine gets his shit pushed in because there's always that scene in the comic book where they would probably take most of their ideas from if they were making a Hulk Wolverine movie where uh, in the middle of the fight uh, Hulk picks up Wolverine and splits him in half literally just tears him down the middle and there's a point where Wolverine kind of hobbles himself over to where his legs are and just sticks his legs back on <laughs> just try, sitting there with like duct tape <laughs> Not even with duct tape, he just has to hold him steady and let his healing factor <laughs> kick in. He's like, yep, hold on, give me a minute. And we're done. <laughs> and I can, I can flex my toes. <laughs> and we're good. Yeah, because him and... I mean, I don't know if he's as good as Deadpool, because I know Deadpool can go from like a single cell. I assume Wolverine can as well. Uh, Wolverine can go from a single drop of blood. Okay. So not as powerful as Deadpool. Close. No, uh, I mean, Wolverine's healing factor is pretty good, and Deadpool's is battling cancer. Right. But they all 
in terms of healing factors, they all kind of suck compared to the Hulk because you could you could scratch Hulk, then but the time you finished making the cut, it would have healed. And if you leave the knife in, the knife would get stuck in his hand because <laughs> the healing factor is that quick. Yeah, I think because there's that kind of weird panel where he's uh, he gets gutted and he puts his hand on his stomach and rests for a little bit and he wakes up but ten seconds later in pain because the his guts have healed over his hand and there's just this kind of weird kind of David Cronenberg type <laughs> image of the Hulk with his hand stuck inside of his chest but the the wound completely healed. Yeah, because I was thinking about that from uh, Planet Hulk where he's literally being attacked by like parasites that are ripping people to shreds and he's like keeping them at bay. Just by healing constantly. Yeah. So yeah. Hulk's, Hulk's a badass. I think they've kind of intentionally shot him in the foot by making him Professor Hulk all the time. I think that's going to... They're going to reverse that somehow. Yeah, but it has to be done in a way where, like, you're willing to basically lose the Hulk for a bit. Yeah. I think they needed him around for... Like, they needed a sentient Hulk around for dealing with the end of Endgame. Yeah. I don't think you can have, like constant rage monster running around in the background while we do Tony Stark's funeral <laughs> I don't think that yeah. works <laughs> they just give him a hold of logs and rocks to throw around but they're, they're doing the eulogy horrific like tragic morning scenes you know consoling the family uh, John Favreau's like don't worry we'll take care of you and the kid Tony would have wanted it that way and just Hulk in the background smashing the fuck out of a horse with a tree <laughs> <laughs> horse make Hulk angry <laughs> <laughs> just him throwing rocks with Bruce Banner's face on them at everyone just going puny banner <laughs> I, I don't think you can do that one I think you need sentient Hulk around but I think you need to be willing to, kind of the same way they do at, uh, I think it's Civil War where he flies off in the plane you need to be ready for that scenario again yeah he, I can imagine them doing that because I can see them having the break point with Smart Hulk where he can no longer or Professor Hulk they can no longer control it then he just goes off on one. Then the the Illuminati, which at this point would probably be, because they're they're not going forward with any Black Panther uh, movies. I think I think they're uh, reconfiguring that. Obviously, Iron Man's dead, so they'll probably have some kind of uh, Doctor Strange, Thor, Captain America, or new Captain America, uh, Illuminati scene. Sorry, you're too much of a risk. We're going to just send you into, into a new planet. Well, I think when I saw it, it was Reed Richards, or the, in the book, it was Reed Richards, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron yeah. Man, and Nick Fury. And they were the ones yeah, who were like, yeah, we're making this decision to just strategically yeah. just get you off the planet. And yeah, yeah, I think they can do that. That, that would be pretty cool, because Nick Fury's still kicking. Obviously, they'd have to rethink Iron Man, but they're kind of shaping Spider-Man to be the new Iron Man in the films anyway, so... Yeah, I think you should take it somewhere else for now because he can like he's even though they're shaping him to be the next Iron Man, at this point he still is kind of just the kid from Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't think you can say, "Hey, how do you feel about uh, throwing someone into space? <laughs> how do you feel about jettisoning a human being into the into the void?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> I have math Although, problems. <laughs> I have homework. Well, speaking of Spider Man, I am so fucking glad that Tom Holland came out and put all these ridiculous Spider Man rumors to rest. I know, but Joey Diaz isn't coming back for the next uh, Spider-Man film. We needed him. They can, the they'll fit him in. It's <laughs> Uncle Joey, for fuck's sake. He'll, he'll show up at some point. So, uh, yeah, they were rumouring that basically everyone was going to come back for, like, a scene in yeah. the next Spider-Man. Yeah, um, there, there was, yeah, there was a rumour that uh, Tobey Maguire was going to show up, a rumour that Andrew Garfield, they had uh, the original Doc Cock, uh, Willem Dafoe was going to show up, uh, 
fucking everybody that's ever farted in a Spider-Man film was going to show up. Bruce Campbell was going to show up playing a different version of Mysterio, which would have been cool, but it was just getting ridiculous. The amount of cameos and uh, one-shots that they were going to have, which is, oh, here's this guy. They were going to have uh, Tom Cruise playing Iron Man from an alternate dimension because he auditioned for the role of Iron Man originally. That was so on the... Gonna have... <laughs> who makes a rumour that's that stupid and who goes, okay, maybe it's going to happen, guys. Yeah, they're going to have Tom Cruise show up in a Marvel film. Fuck that. Like, all the previous Spider-Man coming back with previous Spider-Villains, that's a cool idea. Multiverse, yeah. kind of play around with that, give a tip of the cap to the animated one. That makes sense in a way. But then being like, yeah, and then like we're going to get Barack Obama to come in as uh, Black Panther's uncle. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you're like, scale it down to a reasonable lie. Give us a little bit of wiggle room here. Yeah, like, hang on expectations let's just let's just make sure that we're not going too mental with this <laughs> tom cruise is iron man what the fuck yeah, it was all because they had um doctor strange was going to show up in spider-man 3 or is going to show up in spider-man 3 and he's also showing up or uh, his film doctor strange 2 is multiversal madness right and that was meant to be a kind of a horror film with him and scarlet witch which i, that, I think that's still going ahead but because he is then going to be in Spider-Man 3, people saying, oh, there's going to be a multiverse, there's going to be a... It's all going to tie together. Yeah, it's all going to you know, just bring it forth and we're always just going to have this massive, insane film. Do you really think they're going to do that with Spider-Man 3, which is probably not even going to be... I get that Far From Home ended the last phase because it was the, f the only film after uh, Endgame, but do you really think they're going to... Spider-Man 3 is going to come out in the middle of the, the season, as it were. Do you really think they're going to waste all that cameo and all that budget on it? middle of the the run film mm. i don't think so yeah but i think covid's putting a big shot in the deck to everything they had planned so yeah, yeah. i think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they learned the entire thing is going to go back to the drawing board maybe yeah, not the, probably. yeah especially with death of like chadwick boseman and stuff like that just black panther's Although, such a good character to have yeah. in the mc especially post iron man like he could be a rallying point for the avengers yeah he could be the voice of reason but I've heard that they're they're uh, not going forward with any T'Challa or Black Panther related stories in the the forthcoming MCU, which I think is a mistake. I think you have to give that to one of the other, like one of his relatives in the cast. Yeah, like it has to be one of his sisters. Apparently, it was going to be his sister, but uh, the writer refused to. The writer didn't want to do that. He wanted to have it still be T'Challa. But a different person, but obviously Disney said, "No, nah, we're uh, you're not going <laughs> uh, to do no. that." <laughs> oh. Then again, that the actress that plays Shuri in the films, she's in a bit hot water, hot water anyway, because she basically came out and said, uh, "If I had the possibility of vote for Trump, I would have." Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Won't go down she said some pretty nasty shit on Twitter. Who's the? Who's the other one? That did something like that recently. No, I can't remember. But yeah. There was, um, yeah, I think you have to give it to, like, another cast member that's from the original, uh, kind of, Black Panther cast, but I don't know who's available. I'd, I'd say, genuinely, the best thing that they could do is, because uh, they were talking about bringing back Killmonger from the first Black Panther film. I said, let him be Black Panther. Do a kind of Vegeta thing. Have the good guy be, the, have the bad guy be the new good guy. Yeah. I, I but, guess, maybe have him struggle to deal with that. <laughs> Just Yeah. Actually, yeah. That, especially if he comes back. If he's like, okay, I'll take on the mantle of Black Panther. 
I'll lead. And he comes across the first black Captain America. That's going to be a pretty good scene. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But that's the thing about the Marvel films, is they have so many backups to their backups to their backups. They're like the most prepared D&D players of all time. They have backup characters to their backup characters to their backup characters. And people are getting upset about the fact that they plan out the CGI like fight scenes like four years in advance. So do you know how much effort that takes to like sort all that and get it looking that good? Yeah, especially when you look at Endgame. That that was insane. (laughs) The amount of detail that went into that fight scene. They'd have to get that looking good. You watch the CGI version of the opening for Saving Private Ryan go on for 40 minutes and you're like, I can't believe they had to plan this out four years in advance. I'm surprised it only took them four years. How the fuck... <laughs> how the hell do you pull this off? It's, it's nonsense. But yeah, there was there was outrage that uh, they would do so much pre-planning because it, it removes the director's voice. And I'm like, a good director will be working with that team to get his voice in early. Like, yeah. And Endgame's a bad example because there was five directors of that. There was the Russos and there was the... James Gunn was in there. There was the guy that made uh, Black Panther. He was in there. The guy that directed... I'm pretty sure John Favreau was in there as an assistant director and executive <laughs> producer. So there was fucking so many directors in that that movie. Yeah. Although I think we haven't really talked about uh, what's going on with arguably the original uh, Avengers director, Joss Whedon. He yeah, is... he's a uh, he's getting a bit of bother. He's there's the guy from Justice League, Ray Fisher, and I can't remember the other person from Buffy. Well, it basically started with Ray Fisher saying I was made to feel like shit film Justice League and all my ideas were scrapped anything I brought to him was just ignored and then it started off with a cat I, I don't know Buffy so I don't know who she is or what she does on the show but one of the actresses from that show was complaining about her treatment when she was pregnant and saying oh. I was heavily pregnant and we were f- filming shots in certain ways uh, I was asked by him if I was going to keep it in a very kind of leading way and you're like okay that's not good um, trust me, as a guy who's worked with pregnant women, you just say that's good, and you move on with the rest of your day. <laughs> you do not bring up anything beyond that. You just say nice for you, I'll send flowers and you just walk away. You don't ask are you going to fucking keep it? He then uh, was apparently working her at weird times so she was being told by her doctor, you know do smaller shifts and work at reasonable hours so that you've got your circadian rhythm, that everything's in your favour. And he was doing casting calls at like two in the morning. You're like, Jesus. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> what a what a dick. And there is no one on the Buffy cast so far who's said, No, 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 they've got it all wrong. Uh all the main cast, as far as I'm aware, have basically said, No, we we believe what she said. We have similar stories as well, but we didn't know it was that bad for anyone else. Even David Bonaires is talking out about it, and I'm like, Oh fuck, I forgot you existed. I think a lot of people did. Nah, bro, Bones was the shit. <laughs> I never watched it. <laughs> uh, there's one Bones fan's like, hey. That <laughs> ain't fair, man. The only thing I remember David Boreanaz from was he was in Kingdom Hearts 1. He played a character called Squall from Final Fantasy 8. Huh. I mean, I was you hoping you were going to say Goofy, but, you know. Nah. Yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> he was Goofy's thinking voice. <laughs> He was Goofy's internal monologue. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, if it was. <laughs> Somebody says, 
like Goofy's around yelling at people, oh, we're gonna we're gonna stand and fight. And someone's like, Goofy, use your inside voice. And it's like David Boreanaz or like Charles Dance or something. It's just a ridiculous <laughs> voice switch from like, who you goofy? <laughs> oh, it's just getting off this finish. I mean, it was like in Ducktales. The because uh, uh, I watched that show. It's 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 pretty fucking good. It's a it's an update of a cartoon that I didn't. I mean, I could, if you ask me, do I want it? No, but now that I have it, I'm like, give me more. It's fucking great. Uh, they get sick and tired of trying to figure out what Donald says all the time, so they throw this kind of voice modulator thing down his throat, and he speaks with the voice of Don Cheadle. So right. he goes from being this he goes from <laughs> he goes from being this kind of over the top, quacking and screeching duck to just speaking with the, you know, great acting voice of Don Cheadle. <laughs> he starts getting all heroic and shit about things, and they're like, "Can we make him talk normally again? We can't deal with this." This is weird. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh... Oh, yeah, fuck Joe Sweden. I can't watch the original uh, two Avengers movies because of that guy. Because of what's also he made or just uh, Alien Resurrection. So fuck that guy. I was saying just because of what's happened recently, or uh, just in general. Just the shit that I've heard about him just being so dismissive, and you know, being generally. I mean, in general, Age Ultron's not a great film, and Alien Resurrection is fucking god awful. But uh, just all the shit that I've heard about him and what he did to Justice League and. Yeah, just kind of soured my opinion of him because the first Avengers film is fucking amazing. But now that I know that he directed it, and there's probably a bit more of what we've seen from these two actors and that film, it seems a bit. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend. Seems a bit likely that there'll be that kind of shit. I've got a friend who is a hardcore Buffy fan. Like Buffy is her thing. Like whenever she's like mm-hmm. having a bad day or she just wants to relax, Buffy's what goes on. And she is now looking at it, saying I- it feels tainted. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I can't. I can't bring myself to watch it anymore. I said, "Give it a while. Give it a couple months. Consider throwing on an episode or two, and then you might get yourself back into it. And you might be able to ignore the first name at the end of the credits." Yeah. See, before now, now that I've said that, I've just realised that I, if there was a reason for me not to go back and watch Age Ultron, I'd probably take it. But if I do want to rewatch the original Avengers, I probably will just watch it. It's that good a film that. <laughs> seen Joss Whedon on it it's probably not going to stop that on much but since we are talking about films and I want to bring up a, bring up a Twitter post that you made uh, video game movies getting huge action st- or huge movie star to and uh, the star in roles to star in them uh, do you think that's going to go away anytime soon because I think it's I think it's only on the up and up I think we're going to get more of that because we've got what Pedro Pascal let's and give it the, the context let's, let's give it a bit of the context yeah so variety yeah. put a thing out saying hollywood's uh, bringing video games to the big screen with major castings and it was pedro pascal and then we had jamie lee curtis as well why isn't the article loading i don't know why it keeps showing me the image of jamie lee curtis's face not a bad face but just weird yeah, it's not a bad face to look at yeah as well um you have bella ramsey from uh game of thrones game of thrones tiny little midget queen fucking big fan yeah, she's uh, playing Ellie in The Last of Us. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, who I'm will, a part. Yeah, I, I, it's the thing of like, I'll give it a go. I think they're trying to make a move into having it be a, um, a, a kind of like the next, the renaissance of the, you know, the comic book movies. They're trying to make that happen for video games just by throwing mm-hmm. stars at it. And I just yeah. like I, I the, the the casting is not the issue with these movies. The, the issue is the movies suck. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I just said, uh, 
that's what video game uh, movie adaptations need stunt casting uh, you have a talented people stepping into roles because I do like just about everyone that's named in the article uh, but I have no faith in a video game adaptation until it's a finished product hype gets intense for this type of film and we've been burned too many times before so yeah I I, I think the stunt casting might help bring more attention to it and might mm. provoke people to make better movies but the pressure needs to be there from fans and studios to understand what makes mm. franchises good as games and how to translate that into a film. So, I I think Sonic gave gave people a lot of courage because that film worked. A lot of people liked that and uh, this the sequel, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two, because someone got someone was working overtime in the title department. Uh, <laughs> is giving is probably making people a lot more comfortable with the video game films. But what I don't agree with is you know the like like you said the big casting is fine but uh, just what they need to do to make it presentable is what I don't agree with like how they contort the stories and how they contort the characters just to make it work on screen uh, like I said don't agree with it because they they take characters that work perfectly fine on their own like if they take Lilith Hurl Point and Pan and uh, Borderlands One it's just she wants to get to the vault she's not some kind of legendary thief. Uh, that turn vault hunter. She's just she's a vault hunter. She's doing it because she wants to. Uh, obviously, there's not a tremendous amount of backstory in Borderlands One that you can really draw upon too heavily. But the characters themselves aren't really the focal point of the game. The, the focal point of the game is you go and deal with the other characters and the the NPCs, and they flesh out the story for you. Then the final boss kind of ties it all together, and then you get the next set of or you, then you get a sense of what the next game is going to be like. So, taking the Siren Vault Hunter and just making her this legendary thief kind of seems a bit like they've taken a character from the game and just kind of put it in a mould that they had and went, that'll work. Uh, and Roland... Okay, Roland being played by Kevin Hart, I don't fucking agree with any <laughs> any percentage. I fucking don't agree with it at all. He's not that much of like a, a witty gunslinging guy. I'd say he's a bit more practical, a bit more like stoic in a way. Like he's not quick Roland, with the jams, as far as I remember. Yeah, Roland's not a Roland's not the funny guy. Yeah. Roland is the he's the soldier. He's the leader. He's the put the uh, charge up the hill, plant the flag type of dude. He's not meant to be the funny guy. Uh, and the biggest thing that annoys me about the, the casting for the Borderlands movie is Jack Black as Claptrap. I like Jack Black. Not a massive fan of Claptrap. Don't put those two together. Like, keep them fucking separate. I can I sense. Happy with that. I can sense an attempt to recapture the magic, air quotes on that one, uh, of Olaf from the Frozen films, where it's like we get a funny oh, guy yeah. and put it in a cute character, and then we sell toys. You know, yeah, probably <laughs> the way that movies Although, are meant to be made. The cast of Borderlands is shaping up to be. Almost the exact same with two additions, those being uh, Kate Blanchett as Lilith and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Tannis. Uh, as Tannis. Yeah. Uh, the cast is exactly the same as Jumanji because you've got Karen Gillan. She's in it as an unknown character. I think she's probably probably going to be uh, Commandant Steel, which doesn't make sense to me because you've got you know red-haired Karen Gillan. Why can't why shouldn't she play red-haired Lilith and have Kate Blanchett play the villain? I think that would work it better. But uh, Kate Blanchett you know, is a good villain. Exactly. We've all seen Thor Ragnarok. 
Uh, so you've got Callum Gillen playing unknown character. You've got Jack Black playing uh, Claptrap, and you've got Kevin Hart playing Roland. I will put money on this now that when they announce Brick, it's going to be The Rock. Do you think it's uh, their production companies coming together, like Kevin Hart? I can't remember which production companies in uh, Seven Bucks for The Rock. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's a Universal movie, and Universal make uh, Jumanji, so they're just taking pretty much that cast and premise because it made Jumanji work. Those two films are great. And they're just kind of copying and pasting that over here, getting a couple extra guys in. Yeah. Uh, the only person that they haven't cast so far is obviously they haven't cast Brick yet, but I'm putting, I'm willing to put pounds on this, money on this, that it's going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And they haven't cast uh, Mordecai, the sniper, who's <laughs> the Hispanic sniper. Pedro Pascal. But I guarantee <laughs> they can't get Pedro Pascal. That guy's busy. Not busy enough. <laughs> like, if you, Universal showed this, how would you like to make infinite money? <laughs> yeah. I, but the um, my question for that one, the only thing that's stopping The Rock from being that in my head is, is The Rock willing to play a character that's that dumb? Because I think you can pull off a movie like that when The Rock is in his early 20s, uh, when he was first coming out of wrestling and acting, but I don't think he's willing to take that role. I reckon they would do it if they had a character reversal when Brick is the kind of leader hero type you know, Roland is the is the wisecracking Joker. And also, I think I can, I, at certain point you can genuinely that, argue that Brick is almost psychopathic. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You, I don't think someone like The Rock is willing to do it. I do think there's a because it needs to be a wrestler's physique. I think someone. I mean, it's him or Batista. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you get someone newer. I say you get someone who's a bit more John fresh Cena. at the WWE. <laughs> John Cena is in his 40s. Yes, I know. Let that sink in. Because there's a running joke. Dwayne on... Johnson's in his 40s as well. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson's in his 50s. Yeah. But the the running joke on John Oliver is that John Cena and John Oliver are the same age. And John Oliver looks like he's dying. And John Cena looks like he could bench press the studio that <laughs> John Oliver records in. Steroids are hellishly oh, effective. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I like they've just dropped all pretense. <laughs> just yeah. steroids was at some point involved in the making of that dude's physique. I, I just think we need to be more honest about the fact that steroids are involved in the making of all dudes' physique in Hollywood. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, you can't grow that much muscle at 40. I mean, we've, we've been talking about the, you know, Kim and Janney's transformation, but we've, I think we all know there's a bit of an edge involved there, and I think it relates to the same issue that uh, women face when it comes to photoshopped images on Instagram and that we need to be honest about how people achieve certain body types because it is fucking up the youth and there's a lot of kids out there who don't understand how bodies look without steroids and how they look with steroids and I think it's important because the photoshop thing has psychological impacts on people there's physical damage that comes from taking steroids long term and it yeah. comes to your balls all right and if we're willing to possibly chemically neuter a generation of young men in hope of getting a great physique, I think you should have a clear warning about it. But, uh, personal I think there's going to be a, a, kind of a Last Dance type documentary in about 15 years' time where we catch up with the likes of Chris Pratt and Chris Evans and all the Marvel guys that had to get these insanely you know, massive bodies to, to play these characters and they're just going to be shriveled husks just going, It was great! I'd do it again! I don't. Th I think with the amount of drugs you get to take, there's a very real chance, especially for the older guys, 
they might not be around that long. Yeah. I mean, just thinking back to, uh, I mean, Rick Pignano, Rich Pignano, was a bit of a different case because he was taking them on the regular for about 20-odd years. Hmm. But his heart exploded. And I could see that happening to a lot of these people in a very short time frame, depending on what's being used. But I think... Well, but you can imagine because Marvel are uh, Marvel are run by Disney, and Disney want their image to be as clean as possible. They probably just pumped them full of as much protein enhancing crap as they could, just to avoid them like basically skirting around steroids as much as they could, just in order to say, "Oh, we did this clean." Yeah, there's a, just to pro- just to protect their image. I think you can go to a certain extent. I don't think they're getting that consistent result. No, absolutely not. Unless they are scouting these guys out by the genome and then following up with acting ability. And they just happen to have gotten lucky so many times. But I, I think stunt casting in video games, I mean, for the Borderlands one, I, I, I did what laugh we were talking about, like random tweets. I did see James uh, Argic tagging you and your brother with the, the Monster Hunter DVD release. Or the digital release is out. That's not even the, that's not even the home release, that's the cinema release. Oh, it's the well, cinema in air, air quotes. Yeah, who the fuck? I, who the, I just say that the cinema's war still open. Who the fuck would risk COVID over Monster? <laughs> the the Americanized reboot of a very Japanese franchise <laughs> starring Mila Jovovich. I mean, the minute I seen the guy spinning the 50 cal to fight a dragon, I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Give me, give me someone trying to fight the dragon with a great sword that's triple the size of their body and probably quadruple the weight, then I'll be interested. And again, Monster Hunter is another one of those uh, franchises where there's enough interesting shit lore-wise in and around the game itself that you could just cobble together a story. Every Monster Hunter game starts with you being this ace hunter being sent to this new location because they're being overrun by monsters. And just you know, take it from there. Like, you start off as the young fledgling uh, rookie hunter who's having to fight basic bitch shit, then you think you're the mutt snuts and you go and fight uh, the bigger monsters, you get your shit pushed in, you go and get new armour, then you just take it for there. It can be a it could be great, but instead you had the American military led by fucking Milliovich <laughs> <laughs> Try and fight a Diablos. And I, what bugs me more is they made a new type of monster. They made an apex uh, not an apex. They, they made a variant Rathalos that was just green. Like there already is a green Rathalos in the game. Stop trying to make new cool shit, you fucks. Paul W. S. Anderson, you bring shame on my name. <laughs> I never thought about that. I didn't realise he had the same name as <laughs> That explains a lot of the anger. <laughs> he's probably he's probably one of those fucks that's like, yeah man, I'm I'm from the clan Anderson. Fuck off, mate, you're American, you're not Scottish. <laughs> Sorry, that happened to me in a in a Twitch stream that I was watching recently. Uh, I don't know what it was. Uh, I think I was. I say recently. This was about a couple months ago. I was a uh, a guy whose Twitch channel I've been following for quite some time. A guy named Matt Lieberman who was a uh, uh, big on SourceFed. One of one of my favourite hosts. Uh, he started doing Twitch and that. He started playing Among Us. I jumped in for a couple of games, uh, and uh, we're waiting in the kind of lobby before we jumped into the main game. And the guy just says, "Oh, so where about in Scotland are you from?" I was like, "Oh, I'm in a." from a small place called Bones, blah 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 and shit. he's like oh what's your last name man? Uh, Anderson why and he goes oh dude like, I'm an Anderson man we're from the same clan I was like where are you from 
And he went, I'm from uh, Dallas. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. And I was like, fuck off. You're an American from Mass. You're an American from wherever the pl- wherever the hell place I just said. Like, you're not Scottish. And he went, yeah, I'm, I've got ancestry in Scottish. Like, I've got ancestry in Holland, but I don't call myself fucking Dutch. So it just bugs me. Like, hey, don't be so disillusioned with your own crappy heritage that you have to, you know, co up someone else's. Yeah, Motherfuckers, let Scottish people be Scottish. Stop tartan facing. <laughs> your heritage means nothing. Exactly. Fuck. Yeah. I. I, I see it occasionally on time and you're like, okay, like, yeah, you've got a bit of a tie, but what about it? Like, what next? Where does yeah. this go? <laughs> Just because your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was born in Glasgow doesn't mean that you, from bumfuck Idaho, are, <laughs> are Scottish. I've basically worked in the shipyards. <laughs> no, yeah, you I, have not. <laughs> I, I worked in the steel mills at Govan. I built longboats for the the Scottish Vikings. No, you didn't. <laughs> That's... It's not a thing. <laughs> no one does that. So, yeah. Okay, so you'll be able to find us the tartan paint? Go ahead with that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's right next to the left-handed screwdrivers and the bubbles for spirit levels. You can find them. Yeah. Speaking of hazy Scottish backstories, it's time for Sports Corner. Sports Corner here, get your Sports Corner. So it has been a busy couple of weeks in terms of sport. Uh, we went off just before the American Super Bowl and I will just say I didn't get to watch it. I'm not going to have much to say about it. I did say on Twitter the night, like, within an hour of kickoff, I can't predict it. Because on the one hand, I want to see Kansas City Chiefs do the deed and achieve a Super Bowl. I've been kind of secretly rooting for them for the last couple of years because I think they're a decent team. Uh, but you can't deny the fact that Tom Brady is made out of magic. And if he wants something, he will achieve it. Don't yeah, ask I've about how many bodies he's buried. <laughs> <laughs> I... I've seen a lot of shit about a lot of shit on Twitter about him talking or people talking about him, saying like, "Who the fuck's this Tom Brady guy?" I think he is. And I'm like, isn't he the guy that's won or been in the team that's won every single Super Bowl for the past so uh, past past few years? He has that's... seven Super Bowl rings. He has one of the longest careers in the NFL. It is there's not there's a bunch of variances to who actually becomes the greatest of all time when it comes to American football because the rules have changed so much in the last like half century. It's kind of hard to gauge who is the GOAT, but undeniably, no matter how you're having the conversation, Tom Brady is in the discussion. Yeah. And it was it was undisputable before now, now that he has back-to-back Super Bowl rings with different teams, it's getting kind of hard to say he's not the GOAT. But the problem yeah. is there's a bunch of things like, well, the rules, the seasons, the way things were played back in the day... If you had those quarterbacks now with the current teams, you could make similar arguments for them. And it's like, okay, but we're getting down to like really thin excuses to not just say greatest of all time. So, yeah. yeah. It seems like they, they almost give it to them, then they just shift the goalposts again. Like, ah, no, 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 we're changing it again. We hate the Patriots so much. The thing is, the running joke of everyone hates the Patriots is because of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. <laughs> that's that's yeah, how I've good some, he I've is. Heard some shit about Bill Belichick. Oh, he filmed uh, my favorite ones. That he filmed like Deflate Gate is kind of like a meh. Who gives a shit? Like they may have partially deflated balls to make them easier to catch. But the main one for me is he has been caught filming opposing teams' uh, practice sessions where they're like practice drills, so you know what's coming, so you know what they're practicing, yeah. you know what they're going to do. You can build a defense against it. He's been caught filming those, and was like, and. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fucking gangster move <laughs> you're like you didn't give a shit do you no 
Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. What are you going to do about it? You going to fire me? Didn't think so, bitch. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute... Like, we joke about the phrase Chad. Pretty Chad move, not going to lie. Yeah. Total dick move. All that. Total Chad move. As someone who's, uh, I mean, before the world ended, who played rugby every Saturday for about 10 years, uh, seeing someone coming over, because I've had opposition coaches jump into the huddle before the game. Just kind of goes. So, guys, what are we doing this time? And the head coaches had to push them away. Just like fuck off, it's not funny. And uh, <laughs> like, I can remember one particularly egregious time. I was throwing a line out, and uh, the opposition coach stood behind me and kneed me in the back of the knee. But then, the at fuck? the time, our head coach pretty much just picked him up and threw him away. <laughs> it was so. Yeah, obviously, it's not to the extent where they were just recording. I mean, just recording warm-up that would have been fine but yeah. coaches pushing that boundary and fucking about that's that's nothing new yeah i think he may his way of getting out of major issues may have been a technicality in the rules kind of like a well he didn't say i couldn't type of situation and he kind of walked do around i want mate yeah. <laughs> i mean you're the biggest franchise in a money-driven sport i think you can make an argument for whatever you want really just get the image of Bill Belichick sitting there with a 4K camera on his shoulder, just going, do what I want, mate. <laughs> sitting there with a red weapon. <laughs> Top grade cinema gear. What do you mean, not allowed to record this? <laughs> it's fucking got Supreme along the side of it. Do what I want, fucker. <laughs> Supreme on a red weapon camera. <laughs> oh my god, the price tag, like, a red weapon camera is 25 grand fully kitted out. Supreme tag on the side of it, 50 grand, easy. <laughs> yeah, easily doubles the price. Oh, but yeah, I mean that was American football. Uh, quite happy to see Bucks win it. Uh, I mean, I've yep. been, as I say I've been rooting for the Chiefs just as a, a kind of side project. Uh, when I feel depressed about the Carolina Panthers, but yeah, um, I didn't see much of it. I saw the two catches uh, between Gronk and uh, uh, Tom Brady. And Not a real name. It's Mike Gronkowski, and are you going to write Gronkowski every time you want to talk? Oh, about yeah, him? that makes sense. It's I Gronk. thought that some guy was. My name is Jim Gronk. I am real. <laughs> Actual American. Me, Mike Gronk. Me, catchball. Actually, Mike Gronkowski, bit of a gamer. I uh, was part of a bunch of promotional stuff for Doom Eternal, including doing a, a live death match with a bunch of people. So, nice. n- not a bad guy. Like, apparently very well liked. Like, very charitable and very giving with his yeah, time. Fair enough. Just as long as, as long as his name wasn't actually Gronk. He's also, like, six foot six, uh, weighs about 250 pounds, none of it is fat, and he can fly. Not joking about any of that. The man has wings. (laughs) I'm guessing he's just that quick. He's huge. He's he's big and he's quick and he gets where you don't expect him to be. And when he's the guy trying to catch the ball, that fucking hurts. Like you can see him just running between places where he's not a guy that big should not be. And just he'll have a hand up and he'll catch a ball like a foot above everyone else when he's jumping for it. And you're like, oh my God, what the hell are you? He, He almost doesn't look human at certain points. But yeah, he he moved. He was with the Patriots and moved down with Brady for the Buccaneers, just because he could. You know, like, yeah. Shit. But that was the American football side of things. Has there been anything going on in the world of rugby, Dom? Anything at all? Yeah, I mean, there's just uh, we'll talk about the 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 good shit first because, I mean, even the, even the bad shit's not that bad. It's just how we lost the second game. We shouldn't really have lost because. It was it was ours to lose, as the old adage says. But the the first but who game, did we beat? First, uh, hmm? But who did we beat? We beat England, motherfuckers. Oh, you love. Just, just say it again. Say that, it again. 
Yeah, yeah, we beat Scotland beat England. Oh, we got the Calcutta Cup. Uh, I think that's the third third year in a row where we've taken home the Calcutta Cup. Or the third time in as many years that we've taken home the Calcutta Cup. I think we lost it in like going back to two thousand eighteen we won it, we won it in two thousand nineteen, we didn't get it in two thousand twenty, and we then we won it again in two thousand twenty one. So over four years we've won it uh, three out of four times. Which is just which is a good statistic. Cause you, you love I to think, hear it. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think what makes this one special is it's the first time since the early 70s or 80s or something like that, the very early, that we've won at Twickenham, which just makes the fact that we took the, took the cup home all the sweeter. And it, it just comes from uh, Scotland just fronted up. We got one really good try, one fucking spectacular, a few uh, spectacular penalties. And we just held England to an absolute standstill. And it was fucking insane to watch. It would have been more points for Scotland. But, you know, a couple of kicks didn't go the way. The, the weather conditions weren't really greatest. Uh, the, the one thing that I, I found funny watching the commentary afterwards is one of the pundits was saying, oh, if, uh, this player, uh, a winger for Scotland, uh, his name is uh, Duhan van der Merwe, South African, but he has Scottish residency. It's a phrase you hear quite a lot when talking about Scottish rugby players, you know, from here, but Scottish resident, uh, he caught uh, Finn Russell at ten. Puts in a beauty of a crossfield kick, but puts a bit too much uh, boost on it. Puts a bit too much uh, polish on it, and he just overshot. He hangs it a bit too high. Duhan van der Merwe is about six foot something, and he just misses it with his fingertips. And I was like, ah, he, he can't really prepare for that. That shit. That's just you know the conditions on the night. You can train a certain way, yeah. but you're never going to meet exactly that condition every time and then the the pundit afterwards just going ah, mate, I, I don't I don't let him away with that one he should have caught that I'm like, fuck you <laughs> you haven't <laughs> been about five or six years and you're saying nah man I would have caught that it just reminds me of all the uh, like the armchair uh, coaches that you see on Twitter and uh, a, a tweet that's just because I've got I've always got Twitter open in the background when we're doing the podcast just in case anything pops out of me but uh, a tweet that I'm seeing right here is just Twitter is the McDonald's of information <laughs> you're going to get shit and nothing but shit flung at you, and it's going to cost you a lot of mo- a lot of time. You're going to go digging for that McFlurry all your life. You may find yeah. one if you're lucky. You may get that sweet, tasty milkshake, but you're going to have to dig through so many nasty Big Macs and disgusting chicken McNuggets to get them. But it's all the armchair coaches going, "Ah, oh, man, see if I was in the coach, see if I was coaching the team, I would have got them to run that a thousand times, so it ends with exactly what to go for." Yeah, that would have been a waste of time making him run that one drill over and over again when everyone else is coach, everyone else is running yeah. game drills. Make him run an improvised moment, infinitely. <laughs> just, just keep it going. Just keep, yeah. pre- keep pretending this one weird scenario with a certain setup is going to happen under yeah. these circumstances until he drops dead. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But I mean, at the end, uh, we didn't win pretty, but we won. So uh, the Calcutta Cup stays in Scotland for another year. Which, I mean. I'm not going to say it deserves to say in Scotland, but I'm thinking it out loud. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the second game, Scotland played Wales, and it was uh, what they call a depleted side, where a few of their big hitters uh, were injured, a few of their uh, big hitting players weren't selected to let some of the new guys come up, which is fine. They do that every every year with, with rugby teams, especially coming towards the Lions year. They rest some of the bigger players thinking they might go up to the Lions, or even if the new young hotshot is good enough. They may get picked for the Lions, despite the fact that the Lions tour might not be going ahead this year. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the Lions tour is the best of 
the British teams, so that'd be Scotland for the time being, England and Wales, and the best of the Irish teams, they'll pick players and then they'll get sent to the Lions squad. The Lions squad will go to the, the, I think it's usually between South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and they'll play the best teams in each country. Then they'll play a kind of amalgam of uh, those, like they, they'll play their international teams. So they'll go to New Zealand, they'll play some teams like the Hurricanes, the Blues, the Chiefs, and then they'll play New Zealand themselves. And it's always just a really, really cool thing to watch, despite the fact that you have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch a Lions game. But it's worth it. Uh, quite a few people that I know will go to the rugby club, or, you know, when the rugby clubs were open, they'd go and watch the Lions game in the morning, grab a quick three-hour nap in the clubhouse, wake up a bit, go shower in the changing rooms, then just head to work. Like, so there's always this kind of... Uh, there's always this uh, working towards a Lions mentality, so there's always... They're bringing in new uh, talent for that. But anyway, uh, the Wolves team was depleted and, you know, there's there's always the, you know, never uh, be wary of the... or cut off a snake's head, be, but be wary of the head. So that Wales, despite having a few less big names in it, still could be could be quite a dangerous side. So Scotland, a few of the Scotland players were wary of that. And uh, Scotland had them a few times. They just didn't really capitalise when they had the ball. I don't fucking listen to me. I sound like one of those armchair coaches, but uh, <laughs> there are a few times. Um, I mean, for my, for my, for my view, uh, I'm a forward. I just give me the ball. I'll run forward all day. I maybe put in a bit of footwork if I'm feeling fancy, but uh, I just you know run the ball in. And when you see possession getting kicked away needlessly, you can just think, why the fuck did you do that? And it was just simple, stupid things that we got that uh, cost us the victory. Oh, yeah, cost us the victory. And, I mean, I'm, I'm Scottish. I've been a Scottish rugby fan for pretty much all my life. Losing to a Scottish rugby fan is nothing new, but losing by a point stings. Especially to a team that had maybe five or six good players, a good standout players. There was not many people on that Wales side that I would say, you know what, that guy's going to... That guy's, you know, an absolute belter of a player. Scotland had a few... Uh, a fair few big names in their squad and they just they had them in their sights but they just couldn't pull the trigger odd odd question for you though you mentioned so, that Scotland kicked away a lot of possessions yeah. I've noticed that Scotland tend to do that when we're outmassed was that the situation here like when we've got less body weight on the field than the other team uh, kind of but it doesn't make sense what does make sense for me is that uh, Scotland despite being the lighter scrum we bossed them in the scrum we had them dead to rights they, they didn't have an answer for us and then when we did the, the personnel change at halftime we just we, they couldn't contend with the scrum so we were, we were matching them body for body it was more scrum, to do with they, like I would not want to run head first carrying a ball into a Welshman who might be bigger than me and trying to make a name for himself I would not yeah. want to be that man yeah that's true and I think it was mostly we were we were doing that we were just hitting up hitting up hitting up into the opposition defence line and it wasn't really working, so I can understand why they kicked, but at the same time, they they were quite bad for leaving massive gaps in their defence. We could have just exploited that, but the minute the massive gaps started to open, what went through the 9 and 10's head was, poof it, let's, let's kick it, get it downfield, hopefully uh, we can do something with that, get a few points on the board. And we were making good decisions, like instead of uh, going for the three points, kicking for the goal when we were that close to the trial line when they were giving away penalties. Uh, instead, we would tap and go, go for the scrum, we'll try and drive off the line. I th- 
it never worked. In retrospect, I think we should have went for the points. But it was the decision on the field at the time it was made. It, it could have worked if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, Wales just... The download was complete for Scotland. They knew exactly what they were going to do. They knew where the men needed to be. And on the day, uh, Wales just turned out to be the better team. There's, there's no two ways about it. What didn't help us was the fact that we got a man sent off for uh, a shoulder-charged tackle into uh, the ruck, which, to my mind, wasn't a red card. It was a yellow, if anything. You could see him trying to wrap the other arm, going for the, uh, the clear-out. The red was a bit harsh, but... Again, I'm not a ref. A lot of people are saying that's a conspiracy theory because the ref was English. But <laughs> let's not read too much into that. But that's the uh, best I part don't... of sports conspiracy theories. Is like, yeah. no, it has the only possible solution to the situation is he's a professional like sports referee who's kind of pissed off about something that happened three weeks ago. Yeah, you, know yeah, you yeah. beat my team, so you're not going anywhere. Not in my book. <laughs> yeah, you beat England, I'll beat you, motherfucker. But uh, I don't. I think it's a two-week break. Or maybe a week break for uh, the Six Nations, then we go back to it in a couple of week in a week's time or two weeks time. I can't remember. Uh, I I can't remember who we're playing next time, but I think it might be France. And if it is, France are on top form right now, so it's going to be a a battle for Scotland. But I reckon with all the mistakes of the Wales game and still riding high off the England game, we could we could do a job. But France are on tip top form right now. We were talking back and forth during the Italy game, and. Uh, France put 30, no, 20 points past Italy within the opening half. So, and they've got the, uh, France have got this uh, scrum half called Dupont, and he's just lightning in a bottle right now, this kid. He's only about 22 or something, so he's got a long lifespan ahead of him. And we're not happy about that. You're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he's an issue for uh, the next 15 years. Great. Yeah. Or, I mean, the Scottish scrum half, Ali Price, he's. He's getting better, he's getting a bit more versatile, but I think he is maybe the same age as me. And that's what you've got for a back. You've got three, maybe five good years of rugby ahead of you. Because obviously if you're a forward, you get bigger, you get slower, you can you can still kind of keep playing for a little bit. But when you're a back and your speed starts to go, that's kind of you maybe quitting international rugby and sticking to... Club level. Club level, yeah. Mm. Well, not club level, it's like premiership level. Oh. League level. Club levels like what I play. Oh right, sorry, I forgot that. I I always just think of club as being like for a club in a league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's football. Sorry. Yeah, that's what a lot of players have had to do. Sort of last season into this season, uh, a lot of the big name speedsters, guys like uh, obviously uh, Tim Visser, he was he did this years ago, but he, he said he's noticing that he was getting slower and just felt at the right time. And then there was the uh, current highest. Uh, point scorer for the Lions Tour Scotsman uh, Tommy Seymour well adopted Scotsman Tommy Seymour he's actually from Texas or something like that but he's been in Glasgow for so long so he has this weird kind of hybrid Scottish region Texan accent <laughs> so uh, he was he was another one of those kind of yeah I'm getting a bit too slow so I'm going to stick to domestic level as opposed to international which is it's fine you can't be you can't expect to be you know 65 and still playing top level rugby yeah and I mean, as you know, he's from Texas, he's got speed, he's big enough to play the rugby team. I'll take a wild guess and say he was playing at some point in an American football program. Yeah, he's going to be fast, but it's going to be a short sprint. And that muscle, yeah. those muscles just go at a certain point. Yeah. Just not there anymore. Kind of leads back into what you're saying about the whole steroid thing. It's just maintaining a, an athletic physique. It's just the amount of shit that you have to do at a certain point to keep it 
keep it going. It's ridiculous. The amount of, you know, supplements and proteins and just different things that you have to do to maintain that body as you're getting older. It's almost just worth retiring so you don't have to do it. Like, you know, keep to, you know, keeping fit, that's fine. But as long as you're not having to maintain, you know, 120 kilos or something every season. Yeah. You got anything else for sports corner? Nah. I just wait to go. We have the Calcutta Cup, so fuck you, England. <laughs> uh, although I did like uh, the one thing I did want to mention is uh, there's a very uh, infamous player for England, a guy named Owen Farrell. Uh, he's one of those players that he's a fucking dick, pain in the ass, genuinely gifted when it comes to playing the game. His uh, game awareness and how he plays the game is just is, it has to be commended, but still, absolute prick. Uh, he's he's famous for the the no arms tackle. He will just fly into people with the shoulder, then look like he's going to wrap the arms to, uh, you know, make sure he doesn't get caught. But he tried to do that against this new South African winger that we've got, and he just bounced off him. <laughs> it was <laughs> fucking beautiful to see. My favourite thing is that uh, I have American friends who follow rugby closer than do American football, and nice. I uh, I got texts from them saying, I love the look on Owen Farrell's face. He's physically hurt and emotionally hurt, and that makes me happy. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you know it was a good game. <laughs> the only time I will root for Owen Farrell is if I see him in a Lions jersey, because I think his dad's defence coach or something for the Lions squad, but I will never knowingly root for Owen Farrell. Even if he comes to Glasgow, I'll still boom. <laughs> Even if I see him in a Glasgow jersey. I wondered about that, because like, the football... like. Premier League booing is quite intense when people switch teams. How is it for rugby if an Englishman was to come to Scotland to play rugby? How is that generally received? Uh, Usually just living like live, to be honest. Uh, uh, quite a few uh, Scottish rugby players go down to play England and they're generally well accepted. Uh, there's a few, not many, but there are a few English players that play for... Uh, actually, no, there are no... There's only two professional Scottish uh, rugby sides that being Glasgow and Edinburgh, and they don't have any English people in them that don't already play for uh, Scotland. So I think it's just generally accepted that if a Scotsman goes down to England, it's just, it's just a game of rugby. There's no real yeah. there's no real intense booing unless... I mean, even even when they, there's a player taking a kick, there's still no booing because they put a big sign saying, you know, rugby's about respect. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's just... There's more respect in rugby's rugby than respect. there is in Wendy Ball. Shut it. <laughs> yeah, just like, oi. Let him take his kick. <laughs> that's the that's the two signs they hold up. O and I. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> they put them on the big massive screens in the stadium. Just oi. That's plenty. <laughs> I could see that working with rugby. I don't think it would work with football, but they say. But with rugby, I could see it working. <laughs> I, yeah, it does because you usually get people going boo when Owen Farrell takes a kick. Then the signs come out saying "Please respect the kick," and that one guy just shuts up. <laughs> Although the only time I've ever seen someone get generally. The only time I've ever seen someone get, you know, a lot of abuse thrown at them is when uh, they were doing a minute silence. I think it was a Remembrance Day game that I was I went to see at Murrayfield Stadium. I think it was a it was a test match for Scotland, and uh, both teams they've kind of intermingled and they're doing their minute silence. Then some guy randomly just shouts at the top of his voice, "Scotland!" and even the players just started going boo, like get him off. And this one guy basically just got marched out of the stadium. <laughs> You don't do that during a minute's silence. We will have respect. Yeah, there's a, there's a dignity to rugby that just isn't there in football. It's, I mean, it's, it's true what they say about rugby. It is a, a hooligans game played by gentlemen. <laughs> okay, so for our showstopper today, 
Um, we have a, a weird case of a, a murder and an attempted murder. And this is the murder of Peter Porco. I'm guessing I'm mispronouncing that. But it is a New York name, so I'm going to just go with it. So, uh, Christopher Porco is the son of Peter and Joanne Porco. And Christopher uh, was racking up massive amounts of credit card debt, or credit card fraud really, um, as he was going to university and trying to get a college degree. He was basically signing checks under his father's name. His father found out about one issue uh, where he had basically put his dad down as a co-signee on a loan for his uh, student debt. The father went to the bank and said, excuse me, what's uh, th- I've got this weird thing on my account, could you please explain it? He said, oh, we'll take a look at it, sir. And then they phoned him about not only the student debt that he'd taken out, but the uh, loan for a Jeep that he was also paying for that he wasn't aware of. Parents then phone up the uh, the son and say, fucking excuse me. And uh, they get into a bit of an argument about it all. And apparently Christopher, the, the son, was also prone to burgling the house. And took a laptop, which he sold to someone in Texas uh, from New York. And then also uh, sold, tried to steal a camera, but then left the camera in the front yard as he made his escape. So not the brightest. Um, but there was a, a recurring theme of him trying to steal money and get away from the parents who then called him out on it and after the, the fake loans were established uh, they said, I ha- the, the father said I have to go and give affidavits that state these were not signed in my name and that these loans are false to get them cancelled because otherwise my credit goes down the tubes because you're not going to pay back this loan I just, I just know and uh, he then goes through with the process. He's in the he's in the uh, way of making this happen. When his son decides to kill them, the son goes in. He knows the uh, door Go code. Hmm? Go back a couple steps. <laughs> his son decides to what? Son decides to kill them. So That's natural progression. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at the, the night of. Uh, he is basically says that he's in his university and he's up in uh, Maine, which is a couple states away, a couple hours drive. He uh, is in his ho- he's in his uh, student dormitory where he says he falls asleep on the couch. That's his alibi to the police. Small problem there. Uh, no one who was in the dorms at the time can remember seeing him at all that night. And his bright yellow SUV is caught on security cameras and by a guard and by his girlfriend leaving the campus. And is then seen in the driveway of the home of the murder victims. Mm-hmm. So, kind of a paper-thin alibi. Doesn't quite work out. This is in 2004, by the way, so the camera footage is not the worst. So, at that point, he breaks in by disabling the alarm, because he knows how to do that, because he knows the family home's uh, alarm code. And he cuts the uh, the phone line into the into the house. He then goes upstairs with a fire axe and bashes his father's head in 17 times with the blade of the axe. He also murders his mother, or attempts to murder her. She somehow survives despite being hit in the head multiple times with a fire axe. Not entirely sure how. She loses an eye and is obviously horribly disfigured during the attack, losing a chunk of her skull that's then repaired through uh, multiple surgeries. But the weird thing is not really the mother somehow surviving... It's the fact that the father almost survived as well. So, despite being hit multiple times in the head with a fire axe, apparently damage is done to the part of the brain that can make rational decisions. So the father 
was obviously comatose or somehow didn't wake up during the attack, probably due to blows to the head, regained consciousness at some point and then went into his normal morning routine. The father woke up, went to the bathroom, apparently shaved due to the fact they found shaving foam and obviously huge amounts of blood throughout the yeah, I can imagine. throughout the, the, the bedroom. They reckon that based on the damage to where the head is, with the damage to the brain being where he can't recognise a mistake, like huge amounts of blood pouring out your face, he could see himself bleeding, but was just in the muscle memory of shaving, going downstairs, putting or making his lunch, putting his lunch in his bag and going to leave. And then he collapses in the hallway and dies. But he was just so used to doing everything normally. I think they said he didn't he wasn't wearing clothes. So he didn't quite put all of his morning routine together because massive head injury due to fire axe. But yeah, he how managed, many times was he hit in the head? Uh, there are a couple of accounts that say up to 17 times. With that, so he was hit with the blade of an axe. Yes. I assume, like, centre of the face. Uh, I haven't. <laughs> Sadly, I've not seen a picture of this man's decaved-in face. Um, yeah, fair enough. But I'm, I'm just trying to in, in, envisage... envisage. What, I have no where idea. The are, <laughs> that, that, how shit is this kid's aim? Like, <laughs> Based on the mother's injuries, he was aiming around the jaw and cheek, and there was a record of Peter Porco missing his like parts of his jaw, which suggests that he's aiming around the lower part of the head, but also was hitting some of the front of the head as well. Uh, so basically, he's trying to get the fire axe through his father's like skull plate or something. I don't know. <laughs> But at some point, uh, he drives back to his hotel, or he drives back to his college to wake up the next morning and be like, oh, I couldn't possibly have done it. I was all the way over here. Police... He lies in, his, lies in his couch with a bloodied hand axe <laughs> stuck to his hand. Uh, apparently he was trained in, uh, like, doing... He was a veterinarian, like, assistant. So he would close up after, uh, like, veterinary surgeries. So he was apparently skilled at getting rid of blood. So they never found much in the way of blood-stained evidence, which was interesting touch. But in the morning, uh, the police are called to the scene of the crime where they find a blood-soaked bed, uh, Peter Porco dead downstairs, and Joan Porco somehow still alive in the bed. They're not entirely sure, again, just how it happened that she's alive, but she has taken multiple axe wounds to the face but is able to nod in response to questions by the police, apparently. There's a bit of, what, did she, didn't she, on that, because, again, axe wounds to the face. But um, in court, uh, the police testify that they could get yes and no answers out of her from nodding, and they say, do you know who did this? She nods yes. Was it a member of the family? She nods yes. Was it your eldest son, who is a member of the US Navy? Stationed in South Carolina, a few hundred miles away. She shakes no. Was it your other son, the university student Christopher? She nods yes. So they go and immediately arrest him. Uh, because you know, it was technically a positive ID from, again, someone with axe wounds in their face. And arrest him, find out his alibi is garbage, and then start building the case against him. The only problem is there's no actual evidence of him being there. Because he took some kind of forensic countermeasures and maybe the scene was compromised, something like that. They couldn't actively put him there, but he is the only one with kind of motivation to do it. 
Joan Porco wakes up uh, from a medically induced coma after multiple surgeries to kind of repair her face and then walks back her statement saying that it was her son because she doesn't believe her son could possibly have done it. And I've heard some cases of a mother's love. This is some next level shit. (laughs) But she apparently walks back the statement and tries to testify that in court. However, the police have enough of a case against him to uh, actually get him sent to jail for 50 years on uh, one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. Uh, I think it's 50 years each, 25 years minimum. So he is uh, away for the next 50 years, probably to die in prison. Which, you know, for someone willing to kill their own parents over a couple grand, not the worst yeah. fate. You know, pretty well deserved. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Only thing is, uh, Lifetime, a studio in America who have um, basically a reputation of doing just really garbage movies, have tried to make a movie about this this couple, this family's life. And uh, the Porker case was subject to a 40 Hours uh, episode for CBS, and Lifetime made a movie called Romeo Killer, The Chris Porco Story. The Porco family have sued to, uh, to block the release of this movie because who wants their dirty laundry aired out like this? with uh, Joan Porco and Christopher Porco joining together, as in the attempted murder victim and the murderer, joining together to file the lawsuit against this movie being made. What the fuck? (laughs) This is... I mean, if it wasn't for the medical marvel of the father walking around after being hit in the head with an axe, and the mother somehow surviving after being hit in the head with an axe, the fact that they have, like, the defendant and... The the victim joining together for a lawsuit to stop the production of a movie about the event is very fascinating. Actually, just looking this up just now, uh, the wife Joan Porco, like, holy shit! You can see the the wounds on her face. Yep. Holy fuck! Multiple axe wounds to the face and missing an eye. Yeah. Yes. To be fair, for someone who's hit repeatedly in the face with an axe, not that bad. Yeah. I mean, if you said, oh, it's my granny, she had a bit of a rough, she's had a rough couple of years, you're like, eh, it's a bit right. <laughs> yeah, get away with that. But yeah, the Porco family, thank you for a hell of a showstopper. I can't imagine what your hell Thanksgivings yeah. are like, but thank you for a hell of a showstopper. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just, I might just leave the gap in there with you just being like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fucking hell showstoppers, right? I have no idea what the hell to say after that. <laughs> it's, it's just looking at her face. Throws you off a little bit, I think. Halloween. Yeah. Well, that has been our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can always do that on Twitter, at Gibberfish. Uh, I am at IronLordMad on Twitter. Uh, Dom is... Gonna make me look it up. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> I make you look it up most days. Uh, where we go? Sorry, I just have to deal with a dog barking in the room. I am a Dom Anderson 25 on Twitter. And you can reach out to us by email at gibberfishpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, until the next one, I've been Colin Graham. I've been Dom Anderson. And we've been talking gibberfish. <laughs>